Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Yeah, PK killed off seven penalties. I mean, two five-on-threes. It's ridiculous, the penalties, but, you know, we, we can't go to the box that much. It's it's really hard on people. It's hard on our team. Can't get to our game because of it. I don't know where we're at in the league right now, penalty-wise. Might be leading the league. All right, so let's start with this. We're going to start a little positive today, Ferrario. There's a surprise on because a with you. Because the Blues are not a bad hockey team. This just in, the Blues are actually not bad. By the Ding. way, with Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We are broadcasting live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center, where the Blues are currently on the ice. I'll tell you the updated forward lines coming up here in just a little bit. But let's talk about how this team can get back on track from where they have been. Because it hasn't been bad, as we've said, it's just been uneven. And the biggest thing that I can point to, we talked about this before, it's the penalties. If you just stay out of the box, the Blues have played pretty darn well five on five, which is not surprising given the fact that Craig Berube is their head coach and that's his identity as a coach. The Blues have 21 minutes of power play time on the year. Their opponents have 28 minutes of power play time on the season. That is one of the six worst power play differentials in the league. The Blues are a minus seven when it comes to an, um, a one-man advantage time on the ice so far this year. The Blues have basically played a third of their games thus far, either on the power play or the penalty kill. There's just too much time that's being spent not at five-on-five five for the Blues. That is the number one thing that if you could fix anything, it's discipline. And that should be the easy thing for them. It's not about talent. It's not about anything else. It's about going out there and moving your feet and being able to avoid taking that terrible penalty. So going into this weekend, it's very simple. You're going up against a lesser opponent in the Kings. Stop taking so many terrible penalties. Be a little bit more disciplined. Well, frankly, I'd like to brag about my math skills because while you were talking, 49 total minutes in 245 minutes of regulation play with that five-minute overtime. No, no applause needed. That was quick math for everyone. But you're right. Think about that. I mean, basically, you've played two and a half periods of an entire hockey game on special teams, mm -hmm. which does a lot of things. It keeps some of your best players on the bench because Robert Thomas doesn't play on the penalty kill. Zach Sanford doesn't play on the penalty kill. And I'm not saying Sanford's one of your best players, but it's offensive depth and you don't have the opportunity. So what that does BK is it keeps those guys on the bench. So they're not getting the feel for the game. It keeps some of your best players on the ice so that they're gassed by the time it gets back to five on five play. And in result, that's why we've seen two games, two of the four games this season, they've scored one goal. And think about that for a minute. Those two games that you scored one goal, I think in total, you had 20 penalties in those games. Because I think it was nine against the Colorado in the eight nothing loss, and then 11, of course, well, seven for the Blues, but 11 total um, in that San Jose Shark series. So this is the 
overlying issue right now for the Blues is trying to keep these guys at five on five. And I will say this, this Blues team in the past under Craig Berube has been a very disciplined team. When he took over the year at the cup run, they they were one of the least penalized teams in the NHL, if I'm not mistaken, from January until the end of the season. Did the same thing in the postseason. When the Blues team can play five on five, they're better at drawing penalties. And I'm fine with them staying on the power play time. It's just being smarter on the ice in terms of utilizing your skates and your body and your speed rather than utilizing your stick, which is what's gotten these Blues into trouble. I was about to say, because that's, that's what's happening. It's is been it, sticking fractions. It, it's not like they're they're fighting. It's it's not it's not effort it's not effort penalties it's stuff where well it is it's the opposite of effort it's a lack of effort penalties yeah, it's because the hooking it's the slashing it's the roughing they're not in the right place and so you fall behind and now suddenly you're reaching right it's the same thing in the nfl if you're watching one of the games on sunday and you're watching an offensive lineman who's getting beat what's the initial inclination for that offensive lineman well he's gonna grab and now you're gonna get a holding call and that's how you end up going back 10 yards it's the same thing for the Blues right now. They're not moving their feet enough. They're not skating the way that they should. They get in the wrong places. And suddenly now, like you said, you're hooking, you're tripping, any of those different things with the stick. And that's where they're getting themselves into some issues. It should be an easy fix. It's one of the reasons why I'm not super worried about this team right now. The other reason why I'm not super worried about the team is because Mike Hoffman is symbolic of a lot of the Blues issues right now. And that's to be expected, honestly. He's three games into his Blues career. He didn't play in that first game. He had no preseason games with the Blues. And now we're three games in, and it's been very uneven for him. Yeah. I heard Jamie Rivers yesterday on the fast lane. He went into this analogy <laughs> of how Mike Hoffman is the beautiful puppy that everybody it's wants. Probably that, the best analogy I've ever heard of a hockey player. That the first few days he does some things that you're like, wait, I didn't know he was going to do that when I brought him home. Here's the end of Jamie Rivers' analogy yesterday on the fast. I wanted to play this for you about Mike Hoffman. There's a reason the Panthers didn't re-sign him. There's a reason the Panthers were like, yeah, maybe this is too much of, maybe this is too much of a project. So now you fast forward to, well, he's the best dog available. Doug Armstrong says we can do it. Why? Because we have Craig Berube, and he has fixed a lot of players. So fast forward to this moment where we're all wanting to, you know, to get after Mike Hoffman. But let's give it a little time. And that's what we got to do. We laugh at the plus minus stats. Yeah. And we did with Mike Hoffman. They maybe were a little more indicative of his play than we were probably leading on. Right. He was a minus 20 his last year in Ottawa. A minus 24 his first year in Florida. A minus five last year down in Florida. He is an even zero so far this season for the Blues. That's a positive. <laughs> yeah, it's a start. He, he does have some things that he needs to fix. And if you watch the games this weekend for the Blues, you'll see, okay, he, he's not quite there yet with mm -hmm. the Blues style of play. I think it'll get there. And like you heard there at the end from Jamie, give it some time with Craig Berube, and I think he'll be able to get it fixed as long as they're willing to stick with him. And they've got four million reasons as to why they're going to stick with Mike Hoffman this season. He, though, is symbolic of the Blues issues in that he's not in the right place at the right time a lot. And on the power play, which is something that I know we were very excited about coming into the season, mm -hmm. he just hasn't really made the impact on that yet that we were expecting. I think it'll get there.
but so far it hasn't yet. Well, and the Blues who are on the ice right now at Centene, I was just watching them before they, they started their line rushes, and, and they were working on that second power play unit, which goes to show you that's an area that Craig Bruby really wants to get going. Jim Montgomery was just out there with Vince Dunn, Mike Hoffman, Robert Thomas, and the two other guys. I believe it's Jaden Schwartz is on that uh, unit as well. He was out there working with them, and they were working, and I saw Jim Montgomery kind of signaling to them of like, look, this is where you need to be on the ice. And right now, a texter, Air Comfort Service text line 65780, I don't understand why teams are so easy to score on the Blues, but yet when the Blues are on the power play, they can't score. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because you can read their plays. This was the problem last year. Now, the Blues did finish with the second-best power play in the National Hockey League last year, but their issue was the fact that when you can – when you can read what they're doing from the television, then you can really read it as an opponent on the penalty kill. So Mike Hoffman is going to be influential on this team this season. I still truly believe that. This is not a guy who has scored 30 goals in his career multiple times, and then all of a sudden he gives you a dud and scores two goals. But it's the same thing, and people aren't going to like it, but hear me out. It's the same thing that we just went through with Justin Falk. It's the same thing that people were saying, boy, Justin Falk's terrible. He's not what we thought he was going to be. Well, yeah, because he spent the last seven seasons in one system with one group of players, with one head coach mindset. It's the same thing with Mike Hoffman. He spent the last five years playing pond hockey in the Eastern Conference with the Florida Panthers. If you don't believe me, go watch the Florida Panthers play. It's all about basically puck movement in the neutral zone, and it's all about just getting into the offensive zone and waiting for the puck to come to you. That's not how Craig Bruby plays. He's going to be physical, you got to play heavy, and you have to be better defensively than you are offensively, hence Jordan Cairo. So I'm with Jamie. Give it time. This is going to happen. When your dog pees in the house for the first time, you don't shun him and say, oh, let's send him back to the yeah. shelter. You say, let's train him. And that's what Craig Berube and the staff are doing right now. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. It's not just that they can't score. It's that they can't even get shots off a lot of the times. That is true. This comes from Jeremy Rutherford, who had a great piece on the Blues' early season struggles and why he's not panicking yet. You can read it over on The Athletic. He wrote, a year ago in Florida, Hoffman took 83 shots on the power play, the third most in the league, behind only Ovechkin and McKinnon. But in three games so far with the Blues, he has seven minutes of power play ice time, and he has taken just one shot. Again, that came from Jeremy Rutherford. That is something that will not sustain itself. No. Mike Hoffman's not going to get 30 games into the season. We're going to look up, and it's like, wow, he it's has seven shooting. shots on the power play? Like, and that's not going to take no. place. So as much as I understand the frustration right now, and I really do because I feel it as well as I'm watching sometimes, and I see 68, and I'm like, hey, can you move the feet a little bit, big guy? <laughs> I understand where you're coming from if you're frustrated with this early season play, but you're right, Alex. Jamie is right. we got to give this time. And we see now Justin Falk has looked better. Is it perfect? No, there's still some frustrations there as well, he's especially one of your with best, his though. skating. But he's been better. And I think that's where we're going to get with Hoffman. And I think it'll happen quicker because he has a clear role. Mm -hmm. There was never a point in time, basically until we got to the bubble last year, where it was known what Justin Falk's role was on this team. I know now what they need from Mike Hoffman, and I feel like he knows as well. By the way, speaking of that role, uh, the Blues are out here at Centene Community Ice Center where we are broadcasting live today from the E&B Granite Studio. They have put out the practice lines and the forwards. 
Um, Sanford is back up on the top line with O'Reilly and Perron. Schwartzchen, Kairou, the line that we both said don't mess with. Yeah. It is still there as the number two line. Hoffman is back down on that third line with Thomas and Bozak. And you got Clifford, Barbashev, and Sunquist as your fourth line. Blay is one of the extras today. By the way, Scandella back out on the ice. He is paired with Falk yep. this morning. So basically going back to where they were prior to any of this shuffling. It makes some sense. I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see what Mike Hoffman looks like this weekend. Hopefully, my hope for this season is that he's able to find a little bit of chemistry with uh, Robert Thomas, because yeah. then you get the best out of Thomas, and hopefully that's able to get the most out of Hoffman as well. And don't be surprised in-game if it's not working, and Craig Ruby goes to what he did uh, the other night, putting Hoffman up there with O'Reilly and Perron. But, you know, I will say this about the shots, BK. It's because you don't want to be you don't want to be the selfish guy on a team right away, you know. And I think Hoffman's starting to understand, like uh, Robert Thomas has understood, when you get the puck, shoot it. That's what that's what you've been brought here for, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that moving forward for the St. Louis Blues team. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up next. So remember when we talked about how none of these baseball players were going to get paid? <laughs> yeah, about that. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is Bernie Federico, and you're listening to 101 ESPN, broadcasting live from the Centene Community Ice Center inside the E&B Granite Studio, my only choice for granite countertops, cabinets, and flooring. So remember when we talked about how, you know, nobody in baseball is going to get paid other than the stars and this is going to be a down market and there might be some real deals out there to be had for the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, <laughs> about that. Oh, were you talking about the, uh, the $7 million for Jason Castro or the, uh, the $10 million for insert fifth rotation or maybe sixth rotation pitcher name here? Yeah, yeah, apparently. <laughs> so yesterday it was made official. Michael Brantley got a two-year, $32 million deal from the Houston Astros. Now, Brantley's a really good hitter, and he was a guy that we talked a lot about early in the offseason when we thought that it was going to be a potential down market. And I will say this. I think teams believed early in the offseason that it was going to be a down market. And the reason why I say that is because if they didn't, well, then Michael Brantley, instead of signing two years, $32 million, would have just received a qualifying offer from the Houston Astros uh, because he's an older player, and if you're the Astros, you'd probably rather have him on that one-year deal as opposed to two years and $16 million per season. So I think they, the Astros, believed that the market was going to be down, that was going to suppress Brantley's uh, value, and they were going to be able to bring him back for cheaper. I think that's what happened with a lot of the guys that got non-tendered. We know the Cardinals thought that that would be true for Colton Wong. We'll see on him. We don't have an actual dollar value yet. But Kyle Schwarber got as much, a little bit more actually, uh, from the Nationals than he would have received from the Cubs. Mm -hmm. We've seen this from a couple other non-tenders as well. Dahl, the outfielder for the Rockies that went down to the Rangers, got basically the same amount of money from the Rangers that he would have received in arbitration. I say all of that to say this. Those deals that we thought were going to be there, I don't know if they're going to exist the same way as we thought once upon a time. Jerickson Profar is the latest to sign. The, earlier this morning, it was announced that the Padres, surprise, surprise, came to a three-year, $21 million agreement with Profar. I like Jerickson Profar. I think he's a pretty good player. 
He can do basically anything. He can play anywhere for you. And he's not a great defender, but he's fine. He's a pretty solid hitter. $7 million per year over a three-year contract is a little more than I would have been willing to commit to him in guaranteed dollars. I think that now, given where we are in the fact that there is enough evidence now that we can see, I don't think that this market is going the way that the Cardinals would have been hoping. Yeah, it's not. And I think you're starting to see that with everything. And the question then becomes, well, what happened to all those biblical losses that yeah. we were talking about? Frankly, this seems more like an out for some teams of we don't want to spend because we want to find out. And maybe this does have to do with a lot of the CBA negotiations and, and not knowing if there's going to be, you know, no play in the year prior I can't – it's hard for me to believe that a front office would run their organization that way, but when you see some teams like this that are throwing money out there, and granted, they are the teams that make a lot of money, right? Like, I mean, it, it is markets other than San Diego that we're talking about the Mets, the Toronto Blue Jays that are going out there and spending, but I truly am with you. This market is not what anybody expected it to be, and I think that's why the Cardinals have stood where they stood – because I go back to the comment that John Mozeliak made, BK, of I don't, I don't anticipate us being left at the altar. Well, that's because they're not going to even try and fight for any of those players in a market that maybe they don't feel like is as big as it should be compared to the shortstop market in the, the year next year. Um, so st not being left at the altar means waiting it out and seeing what players are available and who kind of is left at the alter in terms of free agency that you can get for a cheap bargain yeah they're willing to be the last one at the bar and whoever is there with them has taken the shot at the end of the night okay yeah. we're gonna go home together right like that's that's where the cardinals are right Never now been let's in that be situation, honest but uh, michael brantley just to kind of give our listeners a little bit of context espn.com put out their projections at the beginning of the offseason as to what they thought these free agents would get and Michael Brantley was projected to receive a one-year $10 million contract. That's incredible. One-year $10 million. He got two and 32. He almost doubled the AAV average annual value on this, and he got an extra year on top of it. Do you think that's Houston, though, doing damage control? Because maybe they at least thought that they could get George Springer back, and then when he left, they knew that they needed something else. I think it's Houston saying this is the market. And we got to reach it. Like, if we think that we're going to compete next year, and they've got a lot of free agents coming up, and we know Carlos Correa is certainly the one that we are interested in here in St. Louis, if they're going to compete next year at a high level, they need Michael Brantley once they lose George Springer. But if that's the market, I, I mean, it's it's so hard to determine because you had, what, $4 million for David Dahl, which we all knew that was going to be a lower amount. But you got $10 million for Kyle Schwarber, and I would argue that Michael Brantley has been better, but I don't know if he's – $16 million. I think he is. He, you, think so? you pay for consistency, and he's about as consistent as Even with the injuries that he's gone through and kind of in and out of the lineup? Yeah, he's been healthy the last yeah. couple of years So then what him. does that do with a Jock Peterson and Eddie Rosario then? It, that's where I wanted to get to next. Yeah. I don't know, but I mean, when you see Jerickson Profar, who again, going back to these ESPN projections, he was projected for a one-year, $8.5 million contract. He ended up getting three years guaranteed with about $21 million guaranteed on that deal. So that's a significant, based on this, overpay as well. So the market is starting to sh take shape on the guys that we wanted to be interested in. Like This is the market that we were talking about, the outfielders, uh, the platoon players in the outfield, yeah. and then Jerks and Profar plays that utility type of role that we had talked about with Tommy LaStella, your guy Jonathan Scope. 
those are the players that we wanted the Cardinals to be interested in, and now we see the prices on them, and it's like, whoa, yeah, okay, I get the Cardinals not playing in those waters, especially this year when they're trying to get the books right. I don't want to give a three-year deal to Jerks and Profar. I'm not interested in that. I don't think he's an answer for the Cardinals. Yeah. I'm not all that interested in giving Michael Brantley a two-year, $30 million contract right now. Now, next year when the Cardinals are starting to build a little something, okay, that's exactly the type of player that I want them to really go out there and get. But as I see some of these guys coming off of the market, remember when we were talking about Eddie Rosario? Yeah. I think you can cross him off the list. Yeah, I don't think that's even uh, – that's not even a pipe dream anymore. I just don't think that's even close to being a reality. I think we're starting to get closer, and we'll talk about this guy a little later on, but like – Jackie Bradley Jr. maybe looks a little bit more interesting to me. Uh, Go trade for Ben Attendee then. I think Jock Peterson might end up getting more money than I was hoping that he would. If Michael Brantley's getting $16 million per year, Jock Peterson, who I know is not Michael Brantley, but he is sure as hell up there when it comes to his splits, uh, he's got to be somewhere between a $12 and $15 million player. I would think at least 10, and that's probably more than the Cardinals are going to be yeah. willing to spend. I laughed at this name earlier in the offseason. I think you could probably convince me that a quick one-year deal for Adam Duvall might make a little more sense I thought than you I were going to say Adam Eaton. No, no, <laughs> no. He's already off the board, yeah. but Ad- Adam Duvall is a guy that maybe starts making a little bit more sense for the Cardinals now than he would have previously. But if you're going to do that, then why not go out there and find yourself an infielder? Because that's the hole you have. Because I don't know who the infielders are. I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I'm in favor of that. Tommy Lestella's out there, but if this is what, if this is what we're seeing from Profar, I think Tommy Lestella is going to get more money. You think Scope gets player. more too? Probably not. I wonder what Scope would get in this market. The concern there would be the years, because yeah, you don't want to lock yourself into multiple years of a guy that you hope you can replace next year. You hope somebody internally, whether it be yeah. Sosa or Montero. You hope that somebody next year from your pipeline can be that guy for you for really, really cheap for years to come. So, so you don't want to lock in three, four years on so that. So you know what, then, BK? Maybe we, maybe we as the fan base for the Cardinals need to kind of change our view on this offseason. I know a lot of people have been frustrated that the Cardinals aren't doing anything, but maybe it's the right decision because it sure as hell seems like other than teams that are getting George Springer and – you know, I would even argue like a Kyle Schwarber because you're doing a one-year deal. But these multiple deals, this might be the – these teams might be doing what John Mozeliak has done in the past of giving contracts to players with extensions or long-term deals to it that have bitten the Cardinals from being competitive. So maybe we need to change our mindset of, hey, this might be the first time John Mozeliak's doing the smart thing and not getting into this market right now. That's a really tremendous point. It is. It, these These types of deals – very likely two years from now are going to look the way that, to a lesser degree, absolutely, but they're going to look more similar to what the Cardinals have right now with Dexter Fowl. It's like, man, would have been nice for that to year to be for that deal to be one year shorter or to be three or four million dollars cheaper. Yeah. And if you're locking yourself into some of these guys, I think that's going to be how they feel later on. A name to maybe keep in mind right now to familiarize yourself with is Nomar Mazzara. He is a former White Sox outfielder. He's not great. I'm not, I'm not selling <laughs> not you great, Bob. something that is going to be super exciting. But he is a lefty. He hits righties okay. He's a 270 hitter against righties in his career, a 780 OPS in his career against righties. That's all fine and can help this team given the fact that they're probably going to want to go with some of these platoon matchups moving forward. And he's young. 
He's 25 years old right now. So there is hopefully a little bit more potential there from Mazzara. It's not ideal. It is not who I would like be dreaming about the Cardinals going out and acquiring. But if all of these other guys are going to get two and three year deals and they're going to get seven to $12 million on the open market, I think Mazzara might be the type of guy that goes a little overlooked because he is not an everyday player. He cannot play against lefties. That might be the type of move that they make. And to your point, Ferrario, that might be the right type of move yeah. for them. Well, you can rule out Jackie Bradley Jr. What happened? I just saw a report, John Heyman, saying that Jackie Bradley has at least five teams on his radar still, including the Philadelphia Phillies, the Red Sox, the oh Astros, the Rockies, and get this, the Mets are the one with the strongest interest. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, there goes that outfielder for you guys. Um, I was going to talk about him later today. We don't need to waste our time. We, we don't need to waste our time. Let's spend more time on Nomar Mazzara. Yeah, Nomar Mazzara instead will be the guy that we talk about later on today. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. We'll get into some questions and answers coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, let's dive into some NFL quick hitters as it pertains to championship weekend. Some awesome games coming up on Sunday. We'll give some, give you some quick hitters on it next on 101 ESPN. Back to more Blues Talk. It's BK and Ferrario live from the ENB Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center for Blues Training Camp on 101 ESPN. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll get into some questions and answers coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so. But right now, we got some big games this weekend, Alex Ferrario. NFL Championship Weekend. There's Let's four dive of them, in right? to some quick hitters. There is two, four teams, two games. <laughs> Let's start with this one. If Josh Allen wins this game on Sunday against Patrick Mahomes, Ferrario. Where do you think he is then viewed among fans against the best quarterbacks in the league? Like, does he, by winning this game head-to-head against Patrick Mahomes, does that change our view of Josh Allen in the big picture sense? So I'm, I'm trying to picture the, the, the big quarterbacks we're talking about in today's game. So that would be Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, Mahomes, right? Those are the names. If Josh Allen beats Patrick Mahomes this weekend... I think he is number five on that list. I, I think he out. I think he jumps ahead of Lamar Jackson, of definitely Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. I think he becomes that fifth quarterback in those conversations. So right now I've got a tier one of quarterbacks in the NFL. Mahomes, Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, and Brady. That is my top five. Mahomes, Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, and Brady are my top five quarterbacks right now in the league. My tier two would be Allen, Lamar, and Dak Prescott. Those would be my Tier 2 quarterbacks wow, you'd right have, now. You'd have Dak on Tier 2. I would. Okay. I think what we saw last year is that Dak Prescott is that Cowboys offense. And yes, he does have some good weapons, but when you downgrade from Dak to a, an average quarterback, you saw how significant of a drop-off it is. So I would have Dak in that grouping. Yeah, I forgot of Watson and Wilson for that first tier when I talked about the top quarterbacks and Breeze, of course, who looks to be retiring kind yeah. of out of that conversation. So, yeah, but I would have I would have Josh Allen ahead of Lamar and Dak, though. I would, if, if Allen wins on Sunday, 
he deserves to move up to that tier one. Now, if he wins the Super Bowl, does he? Well, I'm sorry. So if he wins Sunday, he goes into tier one for you. Yes. If, okay. he, wins wow. the, if he wins on Sunday, wow. he has shown me enough at that point that he can be trusted in the biggest moments, in the biggest games against the best players. So this is just you kind of backtracking from all of your fear of Josh Allen for no, so long. No, what I'm saying is I'm not afraid in a big game like this of Josh Allen. I'm not convinced that he can win this. But he changes your opinion if he does If he does do that, though, I have to be – I mean, I have to be a little self-aware. He would prove me wrong. And if he proves yep. me wrong on Sunday – then I can no longer have – there is no other def defense against him. Yeah. Like, there, there is – what is the accusation of Josh Allen not being on the same list as those top five guys that we just talked about if he wins Sunday? Yeah. I don't think there is one. He has then proven that he can do it for an entire season. He was probably, for most people, third or fourth on their MVP ballots this season. He was awesome. He has the weapons, and he has elevated those weapons to a degree that they have never been at in their careers – and if he wins on Sunday, he's done it on the highest level. There is no more downgrading what Josh Allen has done. There is no more denigrating what he has yep. been this season. He will have to be, for me, a top, uh, a tier one quarterback. I'm with you. I think he definitely becomes a tier one for the performance he puts out there, not only for what he's done this season, but to beat Pat Mahomes in a big game like that. Yeah, he deserves to be on that first tier. So next one, as we go through some NFL quick hitters leading into championship weekend, which NFL quarterback, in your opinion, Ferrario, is most likely to win multiple Super Bowls over the next decade. I saw this yesterday from Colin Cowherd, and I was stunned by his decision. He went with Aaron Rodgers. He said Aaron Rodgers has the clearest path over the next decade, over this decade, to win multiple Super Bowls. Rodgers is like 37 years old. And so I was surprised based on age more than anything that he believes that. The NFC is clearly weaker than the AFC, especially at the quarterback position moving forward. I wouldn't have Aaron Rodgers as my pick for this, but what would you have as your pick? Yeah, I mean, to get to the Super Bowl is one thing, and I would say he is the clearest because even if he beats Tom Brady, then there's no real competition unless Deshaun Watson goes to the NFC this offseason. But to win multiple Super Bowls, I mean, it has to be Pat Mahomes. Like, I've, I've told you this before, and I mean, I know you're the Kansas City Chiefs homer, but <laughs> oh God. I, I mean, the way that, Kansas City is set up right now with Mahomes and the weapons that he has. Now, I know things will come up where Travis Kelsey gets paid and Tyreek Hill gets paid, but they have their team set up to be successful, kind of like what the Patriots did. I don't know for 20 years, but for a 10-year span, I see them doing that. But after Pat Mahomes, frankly... That's where it gets tough. Yeah, because I, I want to say Josh Allen, but he's got to get through Pat Mahomes multiple times and that's not going to be an easy task. So I would probably have Rogers number two on this list, but I, I, Mahomes is number one for me. I would go Mahomes one Rogers two. I think I agree with you there. If you eliminated those two, cause they're, I mean, first they're of all, the they're pinnacle. The, the one seeds in either right. conference right now. And it's easy. I mean, if we did this same conversation three years ago, we would have said the Eagles. Like Carson Wentz with an awesome coach at the time, Doug Peterson. They looked like they were set up for a decade of success. So we make it a little tougher on ourselves and we eliminate Mahomes and Rodgers from this list. I think I would go Russell Wilson. Really? As the most likely to win multiple Super Bowls this decade. Really? I do. Be and Even with Pete Carroll? The reason why I say that is because Pete is getting up there in age. And oh. so I think it is still possible that they could get one together, but this is me basically placing my trust in that whoever the next coach is in Seattle, I think they will be able to get the best out of Russell Wilson. 
So I would go Mahomes one, Rodgers two, and then Russell Wilson would be third for me because I don't know who the next quarterback's going to be in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to how Josh Allen and this team plays this weekend. It'll help me decide if Josh Allen can be in this conversation. Um, Boy, Russell Wilson's an interesting one because, I mean, I get it. The coaching is a big problem right now, but defensively you just don't have a lot right there and you got you got to upgrade a defense you got to upgrade that offensive line if you want to put them back into the conversations of competing with a team like Rodgers and Brady at least going into next season for Russell Wilson last one as we kind of go through some NFL quick hitters going into the championship weekend if Andy Reid wins this weekend is he clearly and definitively the second best coach of this 20-year span basically dating back to 2000 when I think we can all agree Bill Belichick is number one on that list does Andy Reid clearly become the number two coach on that list if he gets to another Super Bowl with the Chiefs I think clearly he does because you go through the coaches in that time frame and I mean who has had the sustained success that he and Bill Belichick has had now Pete Carroll comes to mind it it wasn't a 20-year span but I mean for a good what five to ten years Seattle felt like they were unstoppable once they got Russell Wilson. Um, You know, Ron Rivera a little bit comes to mind with Carolina, but again, it was only like a three- to five-year span. There hasn't been a guy, in my opinion, in those 20 years that can compete with what Andy Reid and what Bill Belichick have done. I'm with you. I think that is the guy. Um, I also think that (laughs) here comes the Kansas City Chiefs homer. Here we go. Here it is. (laughs) Um, Why don't you throw Brady in the mix, too? I don't think that he will reach the levels of Bill Belichick. However, I saw a stat earlier this week. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show or not, but did you know that there's only been two teams in NFL history to host three consecutive championship games? Two teams in NFL history. Kansas City Chiefs? Three consecutive championship games. The first was the Philadelphia Eagles with Andy Reid in the early 2000s, and the second is this version of the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid is the only coach to ever do it. Twice. He has done something twice that Bill Belichick and the Patriots have never done. I think that we are getting closer to – I think Andy Reid is now getting closer to Bill Belichick than anybody else is to Andy Reid. The gap is now getting closer between those two. While not being zero, Belichick is still the better of the two. And I think it is widening between Andy Reid and whoever your third best coach is of the last 20 years. I think he is now widening that gap a bit, especially if he's able to get to another Super Bowl. So is Mike Tomlin number three then? Or is Pete Carroll number three? I would probably go Pete Carroll three, Tomlin, and Harbaugh would be four for me in some order. Yeah. One one of those two would wow. be fourth and fifth probably for yeah, me. That's and impressive I, what Andy Reid has done. Though. I think you could argue with Sean Payton as well. The problem for him, though, of course, is that he doesn't have – Super Bowls. Yeah. You know, he only got to the one. The with, one. Yeah. With Drew Brees. That is Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll get some questions and answers coming up next. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe. Text now to 65780. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Wanted to give an update. We mentioned earlier today that Jerks and Profar has agreed to a three-year, $21 million deal with the San Diego Padres. A little bit of an update on that from John Heyman. Not only did he get a three-year deal worth $21 million, he also has opt-outs. 
after every year in that deal. Jerickson Profar got himself one hell of a contract from the San Diego Padres. Got himself security of making $7 million per year. So if he's good, if he's really good this season, he can opt out and get a better deal next year. If he's bad, he, they're locked into it, and they're stuck with him for the next three years for $21 million. The Padres are the most intriguing team this, this offseason because they don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> like, pitching-wise, I know what they're doing, but, like, offensively, you already have an infield that's set, right? Like, you had a, a, a runner-up to rookie of the year. You have Tatis Jr., you have Machado, and then you signed the uh, the Korean player. Mm, the, yeah, the, the shortstop who's, who looks to be in another team. He could probably have been an everyday player. And then now you go out there and you get Jerkson Profar for three years. Like, what are you doing, San Diego? Getting depth. We just saw this from the Dodgers, right? Last year, they didn't have the same lineup every day. It was about playing the matchups and putting your best players out there to give your best chance to win that particular game. Yeah. That's what I think the Cardinals are going to do next year. We'll talk about that coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so. But the Padres are playing the matchups game. They have stud players at particular positions that you know every day you're going to get Eric Cosmer and Fernando Tatis Jr., and Tommy Pham, like he, Will Myers. You're going to get those guys out there every single day. Manny Machado, probably should mention him. But the other guys, the other three or four players out there, you're not sure who's going to play on any given day. It kind of depends on the matchup. So. Stop making reasonings for the Padres, PK. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers from the 636. Guys, is Friday BK's favorite day because he can freely talk about Tom Brady? All right, I am, I am curious about this. Have I become Tom Brady guy? Yeah, you have. Really? Yeah. How did this happen? Yep. Thank you, Luke. Yeah, he, I mean, you have. I mean, well, look, fr frankly, it's because all you seem to talk about is Tom Brady and how he's now the GOAT. He's inevitable. <laughs> he's the best player. <laughs> um, and frankly, when Jamie Rivers left the show, somebody needed to take over the Tom Brady love and you seem to be the guy. That's a good point. That's a really good point. So, I, I, I mean, I've never been the Tom Brady lover. You always have. That's not true. Phrasing, Alex. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll fix that. I hate Tom Brady. I despise Tom Brady. He made me feel pain that I wish I never had to feel before. Um, oh, come on. It was only one year, and then you got over it, and you win the Super Bowl. He's No, it happened multiple times. Um, he's also the greatest player to ever play the sport. And so I think both of those things can be can be true at once. Again, it's BK's favorite day. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers from the 314. Hey, guys, it sounds like the Summer Olympics might not happen as planned this year. If that is the case, do you think it changes at all the way that the NHL handles its season? No, I don't. I, I think this season is set right now, and the Olympics – the Olympics forced them to get it done because NBC, but they also forced the NHL has forced themselves to get it done by that time because they want a normal offseason. Because the expectation is to go back to having training camp and preseason start in September, regular season with fans in the building start in October. But then you backtrack from there, BK. When the new CBA took place, they they pushed back free agency a little bit. And so the draft is happening a little later. Free agency is happening a couple weeks later, I believe. But then remember, you got the expansion draft this year also. And that's going to take some time because Seattle's coming into the league. So with or without the Olympics, the Olympics was just a, a, a dead date of this needs to be done because NBC television-wise wants to get everything on the air and everything off the air hockey-wise. But it was also a dead date by the NHL of, hey, because we need to have a normal offseason rather than what we just had. That all makes a lot of sense to me. I would say that 
for what it's worth, if they needed, I, I saw some comments earlier today from Bill Daly over in the Athletic. If they needed, if if COVID situations got horrific and they had a bunch of teams that were canceling a bunch of games and they needed to go an extra week or two, maybe this helps them allow some flexibility with that. Yeah. Otherwise, though, I, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I don't I mean, see them going any further. They're going to go to the middle of June, and that's you. I mean, that's what a normal off season, or a normal season, would look like. And if you need to, you give them an extra week in June. But they're not going to go past the the June deadline of the Cup Finals because, frankly, the schedule's already put in place, and the NHL has the taxi squad to navigate through COVID protocols. So, I don't foresee them doing much with a season, even without the Olympics. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for. Questions and answers from the 314. Hey guys, I'm curious if the Texans decided to trade Deshaun Watson, what do you believe they would be wanting to get in return? Thanks, that comes from an anxious no. Bears fan. Nah, don't get too anxious, Bears fan. I don't know if that's happening here, but it's a possibility. So it has I to think be that they would want at least at least three first round picks. And something that is probably not being discussed enough is where those picks come from, right? Yeah. If you get into the NFL draft, for example, let's, let's just go with this up. Let's go with the Bears, right? If you get into the draft and the Bears wanted to trade up from number twenty, where they're currently slated to pick, to the Miami Dolphins pick at number three overall, they would have to give up their first round pick, the number twenty overall their second-round pick this year, and probably a one and a two next year. If not, at least the one next year as well. So they would have to give up two first-round picks and a second-round pick at a minimum to be able to move up 17 spots in this year's draft class. Not all draft picks have the same value. So for the Bears, yeah, you're going to have to give up a ton. I mean, you're going to have to give up your first this year, next year, probably the year after that, maybe a second in there as well. And all of that is because you don't have a good pick. Yeah. That's why I still believe and maintain that if if they end up trading him and they want a massive draft haul, the Jets and the Dolphins are the two teams that make the most sense. And that's where I'm at, too. If you're Houston, you need a draft pick that can get you a top quarterback. That can be the future for you. You need to reset your franchise. It's not going to be anybody who's below 10 in the top 10 picks. And if you go through those... I don't see the Cowboys making a push for that, although it would be interesting. You got Dak. Denver, who knows what Denver's trying to do, but I don't know if a ninth overall pick gets it done for Deshaun Watson. Carolina, maybe, but again, I don't think so. Detroit, Philly, Cincinnati's not going to do it. Atlanta, I don't think is going to do it. It comes down to the top three picks. It comes down to Miami, the Jets, and the Jaguars. If the Jaguars feel like Trevor Lawrence is better projected than what Deshaun yeah, Watson. Yeah, the Jags aren't doing that. They're not going there. Yeah, so that's why it's the Jets and the Dolphins because those are the two picks that can get you not only a top quarterback, but it also puts you in position to start resetting the franchise. Yeah, and the other thing is both of those teams have a first-round pick later on in the draft as well. The Jets have the 23rd overall pick as well as the number two pick. The Dolphins have the number... Um, what is the other one? 18 overall pick along with the number three. So they could yeah. give up three, 18, and next year's first. The the Dolphins could. The Jets could give up two plus 23 plus their first round pick next year. There's just no other teams that can compete with those types of offers. So if they're interested, that's where I think to Blues Hockey is back. It's BK and Ferrario live from the ENB Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center for Blues Training Camp on 101 ESPN.
So we're hoping to hear from Blues head coach Craig Berube here shortly. We'll play that uh, interview with you coming off of the ice from practice today whenever it is available. We're hoping to hear from him shortly. Whenever we do, we will go live out to Craig Berube. We are live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center with Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up here in about 10 minutes or so, Blaze Aldridge is the new Mizzou linebacker, has a fantastic story that I want you guys to hear about. So Blaze Aldridge, the new Mizzou linebacker who just transferred in from Rice, he's going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But I wanted to take a minute to talk about Mike Schiltz, who there was a great article earlier today on the St. Louis Post-Dispatch website from Derek Gould. And it sounds like Mike Schilt is willing to embrace the idea of what we've been talking about for the last three months. Has he been listening to our show? I think so. Oh, baby. And Derek Gould says that Mike Schilt is ready to embrace the matchups. And whether he wants to call it platooning or if they want to talk about how they are um, getting the most out of their their full encompassing roster, however they want to phrase it, here's what Mike Schilt had to say to Derek Gould. Quote, that's one of the bigger things that we're going to use. We have to use. We have used it, rather. And the access to some of the measurables and technologies out there, those are going to help us better understand what the matchups look like for us. You're looking at the production from a position, but ultimately, it's the bigger picture of what the production you get from the lineup is. I don't know. I do think that's what we've done in the past. That is where my head has been at with what we're doing and how we are going about it. So to sum up what Mike Schilt just said there, yeah, we're going with platoons. (laughs) And why are they doing this? It's because it's cheaper to do it this way. You can get guys like Harrison Bader, who I know, I know, I know. $100 million man. comes into mind. He's really good against uh, against lefties. Yeah. Really, really good. He has an 855 in, uh, OPS in his career against lefties. But he's really struggled in his career against righties. Mm-hmm. And the problem is 70% of the pitchers that you go up against in any given year are right-handed pitchers. Yeah. So what do the Cardinals need to do? They need to find somebody that can play against those 70% of their pitchers so Harrison Bader's not exposed in those games. So this is where you go out to the market and you say, who are those guys? Who could we bring in here that makes sense for the Cardinals? I mentioned his name earlier today. I think given that the market is a little higher than what I was anticipating and guys like Jerks and Profar are getting three-year $21 million deals with yeah. opt-outs after every season – I think you're going to have to go a little lower than I was hoping for. guy like Nomar Mazzara makes a lot of sense. He's a lefty outfielder who hits pretty well against righties. He's not going to get you super excited as a fan. This is kind of a Brad Miller-esque signing. He, he can be solid. He can help you out. Brings a little bit of power to the lineup. Nomar Mazzara is a guy that I would keep my in the back of my mind right now as a Cardinals fan, but... The reason why I would have that in the back of my mind is because of what Mike Schultz said. It sounds like they're ready to go this route. Well, and I loved how Derek Gould kind of put it in the piece, too, of looking at what the numbers would be if you were to platoon Elaine Thomason and Harrison Bader and how that turns into really a consistent everyday player in your lineup. Now, it's not the same guy, but the way that they work with splits it's going to give you a presence with offense, which can be the same thing with Dexter Fowler and the Dylan Carlsons and the, and the Tyler O'Neills. So I love the idea of it, but the more I sit here and think about it, look, Nomar Mazzara would be great because it gives you pop, and that's what we all want right now. But Nomar Mazzara is a five, six, maybe oh, seven-hole yeah, sure. hitter. So you're not, you're not fixing the problem. You're kind of adding to the problem, in my opinion, because – 
you're trying to find out what these guys are for you, right? You're trying to figure out. That's what John Muzalak talked about. Lane Thomas, Tyler O'Neill, Justin Williams, all of these players. And I know fans, they're texting in right now as fast as their fingers can text. We know what these players are. We might, but they don't. And they're the ones that are in charge. And if they are gun-shy, speaking of the Cardinals front office, if they're gun-shy of pulling off deals that include those names or moving on from those players – then you're not going to you're not going to upgrade the team. You're just going to be in purgatory. So, as much as a, a Mazzara would be great because it gives you that offense and that home run that you hope for. Frankly, I would say they just need to stand pat and get out of these guys what you expect them to get out of for this. So that's something at least that I'm looking forward to. So the reason why I disagree with you is because if you look at what they have going into next year, you mentioned most of the options. Carlson is going to play every day. Mm -hmm. So just write his name in stone. And then with the other three spots, because I think there are going to be three spots for your outfielders, center field, right field, and DH for the other three, you have basically six options. Bader, Fowler, O'Neal, Williams, Thomas, and Mazzara. And they're going to find ways to get all six of them in there for those three spots. And that's where the matchups come into play. You could play Bader and Mazzara as a platoon, Mm -hmm. and you find a way to make it work that way. We'll talk a little bit more about this as we go along here on 101 ESPN, but it sounds like Craig Berube is officially meeting with the media. Let's go live right now to the Craig Berube press conference coming off of that frustrating loss a couple of nights ago. You, uh, the bar is set obviously high here because of what you've achieved. Uh, when you look at the San Jose game, is the, the worst thing about it maybe that you left a point on the table that you, you, you had a chance to get? Uh, well, for sure. We always want to get two points, uh, but there's things that we didn't do well enough in that game that, we, you know, we got we got to be better. Um, uh, you know, we got to clean penalties up for sure. Uh, you know, power play needs to score or even create momentum for us. Um, and we got to be a harder team to play against. Uh, I think, you know, in that game, I didn't see a hard enough forecheck or enough compete on pucks. Is the power play just getting too much outside stuff and not enough stuff down in front of the net? I think it's just um, chem- like I think they're still finding their way. Chemistry, uh, you know, we got some new people on it. Um, you know, it's just that's part of it all the process. But I still think that we can we could get more pucks to the net. I don't think we're looking to attack enough um, and create enough uh, chaos or even momentum for our team. Craig, what did you think of Mikula the other night? And when you're healthy, how do you get him in the lineup? What's that decision based on? <clears throat> well, it's decisions that we'll make. Uh, we were very happy with him. Um, you know, like I said, he's he's played good hockey for us here. Um, if he was good in the penalty kill, he closes plays out. He's hard to play against. So we'll see going forward how, you know, we're going to use people and uh, he'll get his opportunity. Craig, you're starting a stretch here of uh, six games in nine days. And actually, you're going to play... 14 out of the next 24 days. Uh, how, how do you manage this next stretch of time here? Well, you're probably not going to have a lot of practice time. There's a lot of games being played here, so we're going to have to monitor that and, you know, go off how guys feel. And, uh, you know, it's – I don't look too far ahead. All I care about is tomorrow's game. That's the honest truth. I'm not looking anywhere past that. Is that it's something like to think about that you might not have a practice for a while? Nope. I said I'm looking about 
I'm all I'm focused on is tomorrow's game. I'm not focused on practice right now, just tomorrow's game. Do the Kings get your attention after uh, seeing uh, their last two games here against Colorado? Oh, they're playing better. They're playing hard. They're, they're, they're aggressive, you know, so yeah, it's going to be a hard game. Uh, you know, they're an up and coming team. They still have some very good players from the old uh, Stanley Cup teams. So it'll be a hard game. Every game's hard. Greg, Kyrou, getting a look on the, uh, the second power play. Has he earned that opportunity? Well, I think so. I think that, uh, you know, the power plays, uh, we're not scoring right now. So he, he's a, he's a very good player for us right now and he's competing hard and, um, he's producing. Good to have both Pareko and Scandella back out there for practice. Yeah, they, and felt, yeah, they both feel good. So, uh, you know, hopefully they're good to go tomorrow. Any, uh, go ahead, Jim. Oh, uh, any any update on Bartuzzo? Is he getting close to doing any work or? Um, not yet. No, he's still out. So um, that's his best, uh, mo most information I can give you on that. You're talking about Mikola. There were a couple times, or at least once, with the killing the five on three, the two minutes that you had him out there. So that shows a, a good bit of trust there to have him out in that situation. Yeah, he's a big body and takes up a lot of space, and he's got a long stick and a good stick. So. That's what you need out there in those situations. All right, guys, thanks. Zach Sanford and Craig will be on the practice. way. Appreciate uh, him giving us his thoughts. Biggest takeaway from that, Alex? So bigger take. It's so funny when he does that, too. Like, Craig Ruby's got stuff to do, and he lets people know that. The biggest takeaway is, one, he's talking about the power play, and you heard him mention how they seem to be playing – too low right now, meaning the puck's kind of behind the net, whereas their offense is going to come from the blue line, BK. Like, their production is going to come from guys like Tory Krug and David Perron getting those shots off and getting traffic in front of the net. So that's going to be an area of focus um, for them. And then to, to hear the news of Scandell and Pareko back out there, who we saw on the ice when I, w I, I poked my head out there during a commercial break, and, and they're skating in the same spots they, they would be. So, you know, maybe this just was kind of a maintenance day for a Marco Scandella. We know Colton Pareko has kind of sat out a couple of morning skates, but I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think it's going to be managing the workload and managing the energy for some of these players to make sure that they can make it through a 56-game schedule. And look, I don't think it's wanted. I think you're going to want these guys to play as much as possible, but you do have to make sure that these guys are, are healthy because the games that are going to matter are once you get closer to the postseason. Looking forward to that. You'll hear all the action throughout the season right here on 101 ESPN, your home for the St. Louis Blues. We are live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. Coming up next, very excited to be joined by Blaze Aldridge. He's the new Mizzou linebacker. He transferred in from Rice. I want to ask him about the new Mizzou defensive coordinator that was announced just a day ago. And he's got a fantastic story. You're going to want to hear about his journey and how he got to Mizzou and what his aspirations are after he leaves Mizzou. We'll talk to Blaze Aldridge, new Mizzou linebacker, coming up next on 101 ESPN. Now back to 101 ESPN, broadcasting live from the Centene Community Ice Center inside the ENB Granite Studio. Bernie Federko's only choice for granite countertops, cabinets, and flooring. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Very happy to go out 
to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Blaze Aldridge joining us here on the show. He is the new Mizzou linebacker transferred in from Rice. Blaze, always appreciate the time, man. Congratulations on landing at Mizzou. How are you doing today? I'm great. You know, I'm, I'm happy for this opportunity. I'm happy that you guys uh, wanted me on your show. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you. So let, let's get in with the obvious question first. Why Mizzou? You, I would imagine you had a lot of opportunities. You're, for anybody that doesn't know your story, two-time all-conference uh, linebacker down at Rice. Why would you choose to come to Mizzou? Well, I think a lot of it was just kind of how the, the stars aligned. You know, I, I entered the portal. Um, I was looking to you know, find a home pretty soon, even though I, I can't come till I graduate this spring. And Mizzou was one of the first teams that hit me up. And uh, I think, you know, uh, playing high school football down in Florida, uh, I definitely have a deep sound respect for the SEC. It's definitely, you know, where you grow up wanting to play. Um, and as we talked and, you know, they're asking me what I was looking for in my situation and I was asking them what they were looking for. There was just, you know, a lot of things that were lining up. You know, there's a big hole uh, that needs to be filled by Nick. Um, you know, I'm a guy that, has NFL aspirations, uh, you know, that's looking to step in and, and hopefully take over a role like Nick had and, and go on and do some of the things he did. Uh, just talking with the coaches, Coach Smith, you know, a guy with NFL pedigree, uh, that's exactly what I want because it's really important that I have a coach that's going to make me better. So, you know, we, we just kept talking about the situation, um, you know, the sense of family and, and brotherhood they had going in their locker room and, you know, just how they were able to kind of shock everybody with the season they had last year, uh, going along with my underdog mentality of, you know, being a JUCO guy. I just, I was really liking everything I was hearing. And, you know, we felt like it was a great fit, and that's how we were able to move uh, so fast through the process on it. All right, Blaze, give me your thoughts on Eli Drinkowitz because uh, this, uh, this city, of course, St. Louis and Columbia, they have fallen in love with Eli and what he has done in the short amount of time he's been with the Missouri Tigers. So what was the conversations like with Eli, and have you fallen in love with this guy just like everyone seems to have? Yeah, no, I mean, the, the conversations I've had with him have been great. Um, you know, I, I talked a little bit about it, but the culture that he's instilling I think are, are great. Um, you know, we were able to get away from ball a little bit and talk about family, you know, in one of our talks, which is, is big for me, I'm a family guy, um, you know, uh, he just had one of his daughter's birthdays and my brother just had, uh, his baby girl. So, you know, we, we got away from ball and we got to know each other as men a little bit, which I think was a big part of why he's able to be so successful and, and why he's able to do things over there. You know, you saw the great hire that they just had at D.C. being announced. You know, he's just – I think he's doing all the right things. I, I think he's bringing in all the right people, and I'm excited for our relationship to further develop. New Mizzou linebacker Blaze Aldridge joining us here on 101 ESPN. You mentioned the defensive coordinator hire that was announced yesterday by the Tigers. Steve Wilkes, former NFL head coach, former NFL defensive coordinator, going to be the next D.C. at Mizzou. Did you have an inclination that this was going to be the direction that they went with the higher end? It, whether you did or not, what would you think of it whenever you found out yesterday officially? Uh, well, you know, I, I did not have an inclination. Um, you know, they were just kind of keeping me posted that it was going to be big news. And, you know, I was left to, to kind of with the thrill of surprise that everybody else had. So, you know, that was obviously I was really excited when I heard it. Uh, you know, I talked about 
uh, Coach Smith and his NFL background a little bit and how it played a role in me coming. And, you know, it's even bigger seeing the addition of even more NFL experience. Um, you know, I think the SEC is almost as close to the NFL as you can get. So bringing in guys from it, it, it it's just a perfect fit. I think he's going to do a great job of, you know, taking the defense to the next level for us to be serious competitors in the SEC. All right, Blaze. Uh, my buddy BK tells me that uh, you, you're you've mentioned the aspirations of getting to the NFL, but you're also going to school to be a lawyer. Now, I'm just curious because between <laughs> playing football, which I know takes a awful lot from a college athlete, but then on top of it, you're going to law school. Do you just not sleep? <laughs> well, uh, there's definitely a lot of caffeine pumping through my blood <laughs> to, to get me going, uh, especially come around finals time. Uh, but, you know, I just think that uh, you find time for things that are important to you. And, you know, I've been blessed with, you know, great tutors and, and helps in, in my academic career. And, you know, I'm excited to continue that at Mizzou. So, so Blaze, why law school? What, was there something that, that kind of directed you to that way? Was it a family kind of uh, a, a job that you wanted to continue with, or what, what inspired you to go that direction? Yeah, so I, I actually have an older brother in law school right now, um, you know, and he was just kind of my hero growing up. You know, he played football. Um, that's what made me want to get into football, so – a lot of it's just been me following in his footsteps. We're talking to Blaze Aldridge, uh, new Mizzou linebacker, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Blaze, as I was lead- reading a little bit about your journey to how you got to Mizzou, it sounds like you had an incredible path to being able to get to where you are. You mentioned you're kind of an underdog story. You go to JUCO, end up at Rice. Midway through basically your first year there, you end up becoming a, a star for them in a lot of ways. And then a couple of All-American seasons – for Mizzou fans that, that don't know your path, can you tell them a little bit about this journey? And, I mean, we've, we've certainly heard plenty about what the JUCO life is like. How, how difficult has it been for you to get to where you are today? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was certainly tough. You know, coming out of high school, I only had uh, the chance to play for Ivy League schools. Um, you know, and I just I felt like I was a better football player than that. It, it wasn't my dream. And I ended up having a junior college coach reach out to me um, and, and just basically tell me to bet on myself. And I decided to do that, you know, and then even that, after having a good uh, all-conference junior college season, my recruiting had picked up, but not as much as I like. And I was actually um, like a little bit of a late addition to Rice after Bloom became the first year head coach. Uh, so even that was a little unconventional. So I missed out on spring. Uh, which, you know, kind of resulted in me getting the late start. It took a little little longer to prove myself to the, the coaching staff. But, you know, once I, I got the opportunity, I've, I've just never looked back. I'm eternally grateful to them. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be eternally grateful to Mizzou for giving me another opportunity to, you know, prove myself right, continue betting on myself, and just continue to climb up the ladder. Blaze, you mentioned how family is really important to you. And uh, reading, again, a little bit about your story, uh, I came across your brother's stories in junior. Um, and you had some great quotes about how his journey has really helped you to move forward. And, and especially whenever you're faced with adversity, you're able to look to your brother, and that helps you get through things. Can you tell our audience a little bit about what your brother has been through and 
um, how important he is in helping you continue to climb this this journey. Yeah, so my brother, Zen Jr., he was born with Coffin-Lowry syndrome, which is an extremely rare birth defect. And to save some of the specific science, um, he just had a lot of health complications, you know, involving enlarged organs. Um, he had what looked like a severe case of autism from the outside. You know, uh, he never really progressed upon uh, like a level of three-year-old maturity. But, you know, despite all these things, uh, he just always approached life with a smile on his face, you know, and, and the biggest thing I just remember about him and his, is his laugh and the good energy that he would bring around us, you know. So whenever I was having a, a hard time in football, you know, when I when I didn't get recruited, when I felt like quitting, when I was in junior college, I was just inspired by the fight he had. Um, you know, being able to survive as long as he did. You know, he wasn't supposed to make it past his birth. Um, he wasn't supposed to make it past 12, and you know, he ended up making it uh, well into his 20s. So, just that level of fight and you know, never giving up. I think really branded itself onto me. It's an incredible story, and we're talking with Blaze Aldridge joining us here on 101 ESPN. Blaze, you mentioned whenever you had conversations with Eli Drinkwitz, you, you tried to get away from ball a little bit because, I mean, we know it, it's not your entire life, right? You, you do things other than just playing football. So for Blaze Aldridge, when you're not playing football and you're not hitting the books, what are the things that you're doing outside of those two things? Uh, well, the biggest one is just spending time with my brothers. You know, I have four four brothers. Um, I got two that are that are still in high school, so I'm just trying to spend time with them before they get you know busy and become a grown up like me and, and barely have time. So that's my favorite thing to do. I love trying new things. Um, you know, I'm always down to try a new restaurant. I've been skydiving. I've been uh, elephant riding. I've done all kinds of things. So. I love trying new things, and I look forward to being in a new city with, you know, a lot of new chances. Okay, well, let's just get into these last <laughs> couple, Blaze, because you got me intrigued. First of all, what's skydiving like? Because I've always wanted to do it, but I am too chicken to do it. And, and why did you decide to ride an elephant? <laughs> uh, well, I, uh, I took a vacation overseas one time and, and had the opportunity, so I couldn't pass up on the elephant riding. Um, I, I will say that it was a great experience. They're very majestic creatures. For skydiving, I would just say that the plane ride up is actually worse than jumping out of that of, of the plane. You know, just the sense of anticipation. When, once you kind of get there and the doors open and you're you're looking down at the ground, you're ready to do it. But when now, I was just sitting in the plane waiting on that ascent, I was getting nervous, man. Now, now did you go solo when you jumped out of the plane, or did you have no somebody way. with no you? No way you could go solo on that, right? No. So the first time you jump, you have an instructor with you. Okay. Now, see, that's where I feel like would be the harder part because it's not your decision, right? Like, they just basically said you're ready to go when you shake your head. No, 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 no. They just jump out of the plane no matter what. Yeah, they, they give you the countdown, and then they throw you out. Oh my but gosh! You, I, I'm imagining you—you you didn't just say like on a whim, "Hey, I'm gonna go skydiving." I, I know you got the instructor there. You, you had to go with like friends or family, right? You, you're in a group doing this. Yeah, so it, it was okay. actually my Valentine's Day present to my girlfriend at the time. Is your girlfriend coming with you to Mizzou? Uh, no, sir. 
Okay. All right. Well, I, I we wish you all the best. Blaze Aldridge, he is a fantastic player. Uh, you're going to enjoy watching him next year at Mizzou. New Mizzou linebacker transferring in from Rice. Blaze, seriously, I appreciate the time today, man. I know you're an unbelievably busy man. Uh, can't wait to see you up in Columbia, and we wish you guys nothing but success next year as you get into, into Mizzou. Thank you. Absolutely. That is Blaze Aldridge joining us here on 101 SPN. Heck of a kid, heck of a story. Um, I think Mizzou fans are really going to like that guy. I He's... think he just inspired me to go skydiving. Really? No. God, no. I... I would never do that. I can't even freaking go on a roller coaster. Surprise, surprise. I am terrified of heights. Absolutely <laughs> terrified of heights. You? I get clammy just getting Changing on a plane. A tire. No, stop. That has nothing to do with heights. Um, yes, but no. Um, I get clammy just like taking off in a plane ride, much less taking off in a plane with the full understanding that once we get to the peak of our flight, I'm jumping out. Nah, I'm good, man. It's amazing to me, too, because that's the part that's always gotten me. Like, I feel like if... The only way I could do it is if I had somebody who forced me to do it, right? Like, there would be no way I could do it solo where it's like, ah, just jump out whenever you're ready. Cool, we'll just go back down because I'm not going to jump out. Yeah, no, But if I'm, I'm attached and it's, hey, three, two, one, and then boom, well, I'll pass out midair. That's fine. I'm good. I don't need that in my life. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up next... It's been a hell of a last few months when it comes to the passing of all-time great baseball players, and that continued earlier today, the unfortunate passing of Hank Aaron. We're going to dive into that, including the, the change in the importance of numbers in baseball, because that's what I think part of this story is for Hank Aaron. We're going to talk about that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to BK and Ferrario, live from the E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center for Blues Training Camp on 101 ESPN. So as you just heard there in the update, there is some news from this morning to pass along if you haven't heard yet. The great Hank Aaron has passed away at the age of 86 years old. Wanted to discuss this briefly, Ferrario, because I think Hank Aaron's home run record, 755 home runs, that is one of the numbers. Baseball is a number sport, right? It always has been. Mm -hmm. And now the numbers have changed, the ones that we pay attention to. It's gone from home runs and RBIs and batting average to more of the sabermetric-driven um, metrics, but it is a numbers game. And there were important numbers in probably 20 to 25 years ago. There were numbers that were forever going to be remembered by people. 755 was one of those. Yeah. And Hank Aaron's record, and some people still view him as the home run king, and that's not a real conversation that I want to get into right now, but some people still view that as the, the legitimate home run record because of the way that he approached the game. He did so with grace. He did so um, with transparency. He was an unbelievable player, and I'm not breaking any news to anybody, but I do think his home run record kind of stands out there as one that I miss when those kinds of numbers mattered mm -hmm. the way that they did whenever his, his record was out there for 30 years. I mean, it's just – it's unfortunate to me that nowadays – like, D.J. LeMahieu can can lead the league in batting average, and it 
it doesn't really matter what the number is right. anymore. And that didn't used to be the case. And frankly, I miss that. I miss that about baseball. I, I just think it's because baseball isn't simplified anymore, right? Like it's gone too deep with statistics. And I feel like this every once in a while where it's like, oh, the expected runs against and weight run, runs plus. And like, you know, I like those. I'm somebody that yeah, likes those You're numbers, the nerd but. with it. I mean, I'm, I've always been the guy. And maybe it's because, you know, I grew up around the sport of hockey just as I did around baseball. But hockey is such a simple game, right? You don't look at the core C4 rating as much as you just look at how a guy is playing on the ice. But that's how baseball was back then, right? And I thoroughly enjoyed listening to Danny Mack and Randy on the crossover this morning talking about this record because Randy spoke about it. Basically, people were pissed off at Hank Aaron because this was Babe Ruth's record. And if you think about it, Babe Ruth was baseball. Nobody wanted to overtake anything that Babe Ruth did, whether it was Roger Maris, whether it was Hank Aaron, whomever it may have been. Babe Ruth was the guy. And, and if you think about that era, it makes sense because he was, you know, he was the, 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 he was the white king for baseball, basically. And then you have Hank Aaron, who's breaking through, who was in, in, in the Negro Leagues and turned into a giant in the sport of baseball. And the more you think about it, the more I heard Randy and Dan talk about it, you think of what, and I know we weren't alive for Jackie Robinson, right. obviously, but you watched the film, 42. You think about what he went through, just breaking that color barrier. Imagine being Hank Aaron, who you're not only breaking that color barrier, but you're also breaking a record that in everyone's eyes of that sport on the biggest stage is a god. And you're coming up, breaking the barrier and breaking that record. I mean, I can't even imagine what this man went through, but he has done so much for the sport of baseball. And that's why I think it, it it's gone past the simplicity of the love of the game now, where it's all about the launch angle and the, you know, the, the height of the pitching mound and everything like that. Whereas before it was just a matter of who can hit the ball the furthest and win games. And that's what Hank Aaron did. I did want to play Vin Scully's call from Hank Aaron breaking the record because I think Vin Scully captured the moment in a way that is, frankly, beautiful. And so let's play that for you here. Vin Scully's call of Frank Aaron breaking the record back on April 8th of 1974. Here's the call. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron. That's incredible. I love the way that he captured it. Marvelous moment for baseball. Marvelous moment for Atlanta. Marvelous moment for this country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south. I just got goosebumps. You repeating that when we just heard it from Vin Scully because just thinking about that. I mean, not only are you doing it in baseball, which at the time was a white sport, and then you started to get the players in the Negro League that made their way in, but to think in, in, in the South where that was at its peak when it came to racism and they're standing in the stands for Henry Aaron who hits that home run. And this just came up from uh, Adam McCalvey who, uh, who covers the Milwaukee Brewers. And this just goes to show you the length of the hatred towards Hank Aaron. 
So Bob Euchre told me something I don't think I knew before today. The hate mail that Henry Aaron received before and after breaking Babe Ruth's home run record kept coming for years, even in 75 and 76 when he played for the Brewers. Euchre himself would get hate mail just for mentioning Aaron's achievements on the Brewers radio broadcast. Wow. So this is a guy who, who did something and not just did the impossible in the game, but did the impossible while dealing with what nobody can even imagine dealing with. I mean, Roger Maris lost his freaking hair when he was going for his record. And, and for, for Hank Aaron to do that in Major League Baseball, just an incredible moment. And I never had the chance to meet him, but the story surrounding him, uh, it, it was it was the perfect example of what the game needed. Yeah, an unbelievable accomplishment. And it's a reminder that it, while all of that hate mail did exist, and there were a lot of people that were rooting against Hank Aaron at the time and continued to do so, um, it, it's also a reminder that what you heard when he hit that home run, I mean, you, I had to cut the, the audio for, for time purposes. I mean, it was an uproar mm-hmm. from the fans of pure adulation, like just yeah. a, a moment of pure joy from the fans. And that is a reminder that sports can and still do bring us together every once in a while. That's awesome. And at the time, that was the case for Hank Aaron. Hopefully that continues to be the case moving forward because we could use it right about now, (laughs) frankly. Um, Sports are a a great way to bring people together. And there was a moment in time in 1974 when Hank Aaron did exactly that. So we've lost a lot of of all-time greats here over the last few months, certainly here locally uh, with the passing of Bob Gibson and Lou Brock, and now, unfortunately, with Hank Aaron passing as well. Some of the all-time greats, all-time great storytellers. I heard um, Hank Aaron talking earlier today, a, a quote from him about um, Stan uh, speaking on Danny Mac's show, yeah. and just all-time great storytellers that we're going to miss, man. It, it sucks, but... Uh, the great Hank Aaron passed away earlier today at the age of 86. It is 1244, your time check, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We're, gonna cro- we're not going to cross things over. <laughs> we're going to dive into the junk drawer coming up next. This is 101 ESPN, broadcasting live from the Centene Community Ice Center inside the E&B Granite Studio. Bernie Federko's only choice for granite countertops, cabinets, and flooring. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with BK and Ferrario. All right, let's get into the Junk Drawer. Alex Ferrario, do you believe in Bigfoot? <laughs> um, uh, I do, actually. I'm trying to think about... I've watched those, like, Bigfoot shows on Animal Planet. Yeah, I believe in Bigfoot. I think I do as well. Okay. I don't know why. I I just tend to believe in the concept, the idea of Bigfoot. Well, Bigfoot better be careful if he's going to the state of Oklahoma. Oh. Anytime in the near future. That's a threat. State Representative Justin Humphrey has officially filed a bill in Oklahoma to allow people to catch, not kill, catch Bigfoot. And if they do, they will get a $25,000 bounty. That's it? If you are able to catch Bigfoot in the state of Oklahoma. It's not even worth it. He is hoping that this will drive some tourism 
to oh, the state of on. Oklahoma for people that would like to go big fun, Bigfoot hunting. Now, we already have turkey season. You got duck season. You got deer season. You got all these different hunting seasons. Would you be interested, Alex Ferrario, in a Bigfoot hunting season? Yeah, but not in Oklahoma. I don't even think there's ever been a Bigfoot sighting in Oklahoma other than maybe you're like Uncle Judd or something like that. Like, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's more like the Northeast where Bigfoot sightings have been taking place. But for $25,000 to have to go camp out and try and catch Bigfoot? No. So it appears that there has been one sighting of Bigfoot, according to a Google map that I am currently looking at, which is highly, highly accurate, I'm sure. It was in January of 2012, so it's been about nine years now. So I mean, we're... We're coming up on the nine-year anniversary of this sighting. He's moved on by now, though, right? He's mostly been seen up in the, the northwest. Uh, Oregon, Washington, near Vancouver, Victoria. That area is where he's typically seen. I tell you all the time, we dive into the junk drawer, and I tell you about all these odds and end jobs that I would love to take. Yeah, you know, going on, like, hikes for a... Uh Six-month period for beer, basically, and $10,000? Yeah, this is not one of them. You're not going to go for Bigfoot nope. for twenty five grand. <laughs> nope. For the possibility of being able to get $25,000, nope, not enough for me. Well, and let's also be honest here. This isn't just about, you know, finding Bigfoot. You got to catch him, and you got to catch him alive, which isn't going to be easy. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. Guys, there's all kinds of Bigfoot sightings in Oklahoma. In fact, they have a Bigfoot festival in one area of Oklahoma. I was unaware of this. I am too. I thought this was only like in Washington and, and things like that, but I'm looking this up now. Hanobia, Bigfoot Festival and Conference. This is a real thing. A, a festival and conference. There's a festival and a conference. So now I'm going to click on it because obviously I'm going to. Unfortunately, it was canceled and it's going to be returning in 2020, but they have places you can stay. They have camping applications. They have conference schedules that I'm assuming you can sit and find out what goes on in the conference. They have encounter stories. This is incredible. And they have a Bigfoot 5K run. <laughs> Let's do it. You want to go do Let's this? Let's go this year. When is it? Do we know? Uh, do we know it doesn't when it's say, been rescheduled? It says it will be coming in 2021. So it looks like they have it in October every oh, year. It's been rescheduled. Okay. For October. Oh, no, this is last year. October 2nd and 3rd. So I would imagine first weekend of October in 2021. Let's Let's do it. You you want to? Let's sign up. Whenever it comes up, let's go to the Hanobia Bigfoot Organization Conference in 2021. And look, if you have a college kid that you're listening to right now or a high school kid that's going to be headed into college, they have a Bigfoot scholarship funds that if you want to apply for, you could get $5,000 really? for Bigfoot raises is what it's called. <laughs> I'm going to start going annually, and then whenever I have a child, you've got one coming on the way very <laughs> soon. I actually start looking you into this. go ahead and put this on the schedule for every October. You're going to end up getting this five grand scholarship for your for your child. I just here got in the a next text from our buddy Lou Korak, and he said, uh, you know where you guys can catch Bigfoot? He's standing right outside. His name's Jeremy Rutherford. That's not nice, Lou. That's not nice. It's very unkind. Although I, 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 maybe I've heard that. But that's not nice. Ferrario, what do you have for us today in the junk? All right. Man? So I'm, I'm sure you've seen the conversations today on social media about the Columbus Blue Jackets and their forward Pierre-Luc Dubois. He is a very, very strong player, possibly one of their best players on their roster. But he was sat last night, BK. And this is kind of a long going situation of. Luke Dubois stating in the offseason that he wants to be traded. He wants out of Columbus. 
Columbus isn't going to trade him unless they get a haul for him, and nobody's willing to give that up. So he signs a contract. He comes back. Well, John Tortorella, who is a tough-ass coach, plain and simple, he basically sat him last night. Luke Dubois played three minutes and 28 seconds in the first period and didn't see the ice the rest of the game. They lost in overtime to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, you hear this and you're thinking, well, that's kind of a jerk move by John Tortorella. Not really. They posted a video. Elliot Friedman did this, who's a reporter for the NHL for Sportsnet. They showed a video of Pierre-Luc Dubois in the corner with two Tampa Bay Lightning players, and he just stood there while the guys basically took the puck away from him and skated down the ice. And then it took him 10 seconds to get from one end of the ice to his bench and get off of the off of the ice. He's pulling a James Harden. He's pulling a James Harden because he wants out, and they showed video of him on the bench basically chatting it up, laughing with his players. The players are defending him, saying, like, look, he's our teammate until he's not our teammate, and we support him no matter what. That's hard for me to believe right now, and frankly, it's kind of embarrassing what he's doing, and he's hurting his draft stock, for, or not draft stock, his trade stock, for playing like this because this is just dumb. I'm going to go old man yells at clouds here for a minute as a 28-year-old. Oh, I love that. I'm, all, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of it, honestly. Um, if you want to be traded, I understand it. I do, especially if you're in a bad situation. But, like, James Harden wasn't in a horrible situation down in Houston. He right. was in a situation that he created. Nobody but him created that situation. Right. You look at uh, Columbus right now. This young man, he, he got a contract extension, right? Am yeah. I wrong on this? Yeah, well, they basically signed him, Pierre-Luc Dubois, because he was a restricted free agent. He wanted a contract. They kind of wanted to do a bridge deal with him. I'm trying to find out what the exact numbers were. Two years, $10 million is what he signed. So that's kind of the bridge contract. He Why'd you more. sign the contract? Because it was either that or not play. Well, he's basically not playing now. Yeah. So don't sign the contract if you don't want to play for it. I agree. You're a 22-year-old kid. Figure it out, man. And look, everyone will will give. And I'm typically the guy that's going to take the player's side, but this is this is just dumb. It's getting ridiculous now. People will give John Tortorella trouble for this because he basically sat him and they lost the game. But if I'm George, John Tortorella, I'm making a statement to him. Be like, hey, guess what? You're on this team until you get traded, and basically the team's not going to trade you for you know a fifth-round draft pick. It's not going to be highway robbery because we wasted a top pick on you. So if you're not going to play, then what Tortorella's doing is basically telling the rest of the NHL, guess what? He doesn't put any effort into the game, so he's just not going to play, but he's going to be on the ice. Other teams will take notice of that. And they should. They should. It's it's embarrassing. I, I'm I'm really sick of seeing a lot of this stuff it's getting frustrating it it's just a dumb there, move. there's a fine line between wanting out of a really bad situation which i think is what's happening down in houston we can all see what happened down there it's an embarrassment they right. put a team chaplain in charge of their football operations <laughs> come on like we can all see that is a organization that has run horribly and you've only got so many years in the nfl to be at your peak performance all i right. get what deshaun watson is doing what james harden did what you're seeing now in columbus with this situation it's frankly enough is enough yeah it, it, it's ridiculous i'm telling you that, that video that video was just laughable watching it bk because we, we've seen hockey players like you go hard 24 7 he basically just nonchalantly skated into the corner with a puck on his stick into the offensive zone two tampa guys just crashed into him and he stood there and basically just gave them the puck 
It's ridiculous. And then just nonchalantly skated back to the bench. It's 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 unwatchable, frankly, if I'm a Columbus Blue Jackets fan. One quick thing that I wanted to get into before we get out of here, Ferrario, to kind of lighten the mood once again. So I don't know if you watched any of the inauguration. I'm not getting political here, I promise. Um, but at the inauguration, something h- hilarious oh, took yes. place. So Kamala Harris's niece is married to a gentleman that goes by the name Nicholas. Nicholas was a little bit late for the ceremony. And after the ceremony had already started, you could see on the screen a guy with some fresh Jordans coming down the stairs right behind the podium, right behind the person that was speaking, which at the time was Amy Klobuchar. This guy goes and sits down right after the inauguration has begun. And we find out later on, again, it was... Kamala Harris's niece's husband. I'm trying to imagine right now because I know how my fiance reacts when I'm late to anything. Yeah. It is World War Three in our household, right? Why was I not prepared? Why was I not ready on time? Why am I holding everything Sounds up? Sounds about right? right. For this dude to be late to the inauguration? I think that's amazing. For, I want to I want to be a fly in that car on the car ride home. His wife's aunt just became the next vice president of the United States, and he's walking down the stairs behind the podium five minutes after things and have begun. And the fact that he came down with, like, fresh Air Jordans makes it even <laughs> better because it's not like – basically, he's peacocking, right? Like, he is sticking out like a sore thumb to people with his fresh, probably – bleach white Air Jordans as he walks down behind the pro- the public speaker. There would have been no way to know who it was if he just had some sort of dress shoes on, right? right. Like just your classic yeah. black dress. Normal Nobody guy. would have known who it was because you can't pick out, you know, the hundreds of people that are wearing those basically same dress shoes. Nobody's going to be able to know who it was. Tinfoil Ferrario here. He, knew, he knows that his family is now in the spotlight. He's thinking... This is my one-way ticket to being a a, a celebrity. (laughs) That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is BK and Ferrario on 101. So it's really nice that the Cardinals have the second-best first baseman in baseball. I'm into that. Yeah. Can we not be Buzz Killington for that? Nope, we cannot. That is the opposite of what I'm about to do. Unfortunately, according to MLB Network, they also traded the third-best first baseman in all of baseball. But they got one of the best relievers in all of baseball, right? They did. It actually ended up working out okay, all things considered, for the Cardinals. But MLB Network right now is putting together their top 10 list. So the top 10 at every position, right? And so far, the Cardinals haven't had a whole lot of people represented on said list. But on this first base list, they did. They had uh, Paul Goldschmidt as the second best first baseman in all of baseball. The third best first baseman in baseball right now, according to MLB Network, is Luke Voigt. And this brought up the question to me, Ferrario. What if the Cardinals just held steady in 2017? They didn't make any moves. They just they kept their roster from 2017 and they moved forward, right? Instead of trading Fam and Gritchick and Voigt and Marco Gonzalez and Luke Weaver and Sandy Alcantara and Carson Kelly, Zach Gallen, instead of trading all of those okay, guys. That was a lot. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> what if they just kept them? So here's what would be different. You would not currently have Paul Goldschmidt, Giovanni Gallegos, Henesis Cabrera. Okay. You wouldn't have your your experience with Marcelo Zuna, so the cleanup hitter for two years for you. He would not have been here. But instead, like I said, you would have had Tommy Pham. Randall Gritchick would still be patrolling the outfield. 
you would have had Luke Voigt at first base in this situation. So you would not have um, Paul Goldschmidt, but you would have Luke Voigt at first base. You would have Marco Gonzalez as a pitcher for you still. So you'd have that lefty in your rotation. You would also have starters like Luke Weaver and Sandy Alcantara, Zach Gallen, who's been really good of late. And you would also have Randy Rosarena in the outfield. The reason why I bring this up is because I do think we have kind of overstated the Cardinals' issues with development. I don't think the Cardinals have a problem developing good players. I just read off of a list of probably 12 players that you'd like to have that are mm-hmm. pretty good major leaguers. And, I mean, for for instance, with Luke Voigt, has become a very good major leaguer, so much so that some consider him to be a top five first baseman in the sport. Their problem is evaluating Mm -hmm. that talent and deciding who to keep versus who to let go. And they used to be amazing at that. They were among the league's leaders when it came to both developing and evaluating the talent. They got rid of the right guys at the right times. They've missed on that lately. And so if you want to see the Cardinals get back to where they were in the early 2000s up to about 2015, this is what they need to focus on. They need to focus on the evaluation. The yeah. development's still there. The evaluation, to me, is the problem right yeah, now. Yeah, and this has been the biggest gripe for us for so long with this team. But, you know, the more I think about it, look, Luke Voigt, who has been phenomenal, without question, but you didn't know Luke Voigt was going to turn into this. Now, that's part of the evaluation process, but what I mean by that is how do you know he was going to be that with the Cardinals? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. I mean, and, I mean, you know, maybe something changed because, remember, he was a Missouri-grown child. You know, like, that sounded so weird the way I said it. He, he basically grew up here. That's a lot of pressure for a kid to play through, you know? So you don't know if he becomes that player for you. And, frankly, I think you're in great position to have a Paul Goldschmidt because Luke Voigt might become more expensive than Paul Goldschmidt, and you might have put ah, yourself into a bad position. He's never going to be more expensive than Paul Goldschmidt. I'll, 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 but let's, let's Are you sure down. about that? He's not going to get $25 million per season. No, Luke Voigt. If not. he continues on this track where, what, he's been in, he's been in the league now full-time first baseman for three years, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. If he stays on this track, you don't think he's going to be getting Paul Goldschmidt numbers? No. I, See, I do. We can take that over-under. Like, yeah. if, you, if you want to take a $25 million annual salary as an over-under, we can we can decide on the terms. That's yeah. kind of a long-term bet. But, yeah, I, I would be absolutely stunned if Luke Voigt ends up getting $25 million a year from somebody right. as, a, as a guy that is now 29 years old and has been doing it as an everyday first baseman now for about two seasons. And, yeah, I'd be, I'd be surprised by and that. And you look at some of the other guys. I mean, Randall Gritchick and Steven Piscotty, great players, but they're not the answers to your problems right now. They're not four-hole hitters for you. That's the biggest issue you have right now. And frankly, you think you might have Tyler O'Neill and Randall Gritchick. So that kind of offsets itself. Tommy Pham, although we all loved him here, it was never going to work because of the way that the Cardinals front office views players in their clubhouse. That's what happened. That's moved on. The Randy Rosarena stings. And the pitching staff, as much as I look at those names of Zach Gallon and Marco Gonzalez and Luke Weaver, the Cardinals have moved on from those guys, but yet look at the success they're having with their guys. Like, they moved on from those guys because, one, you have a Jack Flaherty. Two, Dakota Hudson, who looks like a legit number two pitcher in rotation without being injured. Um, and then you had Alex Reyes at the time, who this was before all of those injuries that were really taken over. The pitching side I'm not worried about. It's the offense. But, again, all of those names. Luke Voigt is the one that you say, yeah, that would be nice to have right now. 
but it's kind of offsetting it. So it all goes back to Randy or Rosarena for me, if that's the one that stings the most. But again, it is. It's always about evaluating talent for this Cardinals team. And frankly, that's part of the reason why I feel like we haven't seen any moves this offseason. I'm with you, but I, what do you think would be better? Like, if, if I told you right now, if the Cardinals had just held on to their players in 2017, okay. or you can have the roster that they currently have. So instead of having Goldschmidt, you do have Luke Voigt as your first baseman. And this is totally unfair. I want to be clear here. This is unfair what we're doing here. Right. Because these... Decisions were not made in a vacuum, but I think part of what happened here is they started chasing their tail, right? Because they had Marco Gonzalez, who was that lefty starter, and then they traded him for right. Tyler O'Neill to get that power bat, right? That power hitting outfielder that they wanted. But they needed that power hitting outfielder because they had Randall Gritchick and he wasn't quite as good as they wanted him to be. And now they're chasing their tail again with that power hitting outfield bat that they need. It's same thing with Randy Rosarena. They traded Randy A down to Tampa Bay because they wanted that left-handed starting pitcher who they had in Marco Gonzalez. Right. So it, it is, it's basically a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways. Anyways, back to my original question. If you could have the Cardinals roster where they just stand pat after 2017, they do not trade guys like Pham, Gritchick, Voigt, Gonzalez, Weaver, Alcantara, Carson Kelly, by the way, would be a catching option for you right now. And Zach Gallen. If you could have those guys on the roster now, but no Paul Goldschmidt, no Giovanni Gallegos, no Henesis Cabrera, or the roster that you currently have, which one do you think is better? So I'm writing all of these down right now. So let me run through your position players for you, and you tell me which is better. And the same text us here, Comfort Service, text line 65780. Left field, Gritchick or Carlson? I think I'd rather have Carlson right well, you now. You still have Carlson, even if you didn't make any of these moves. Where is he playing, though? Somewhere in the outfield. Well, I'm, I'm going <laughs> off of this. He's starting either way. But but is he, though? Because if you keep all of these players, I don't know. Because So Gritchick would be your left fielder. Pham would be your center fielder. Biscotti would be your right fielder. That would be your outfield. I would. You'd be starting Carlson over one of those guys. Well, I'm just going off of roster then and roster now. Because roster now, Carlson, Bader, O'Neill. That's what you have. Okay. And I think I think Carlson would what I'm saying is he would be the outfielder on both of those right. situations. Well, I'm going off of the the teams that we would have. But regardless, that's kind of what an outfield looks like and you can insert Fowler for a Carlson. I think you would take that outfield compared to what it is now. Right? Like you would take the Gritchick Piscotti fam over what you have right now as outfielders. It's an interesting question. Uh if you told me that I can't have Carlson anymore, which is a false choice because I would have Carlson still. Um, but would he be as fast-tracked to the majors, I guess, is what I'm asking. Like, I don't know. Maybe you give him more time in the minors because you have these guys rather than saying, hey, you're our everyday left fielder this upcoming season. Maybe. I, I think he would be still because of the way that the organization views him as a future star. And right. now maybe you'd be looking to trade one of those other guys, whether it be Piscotti, who's still not really gone to another level. Right. He's kind of the same player that he's always been. I, I think he would be starting every day for yeah. you. But regardless, I – I think I might take the one that they have right now, honestly, just because you have the upside of Carlson. But again, that is the false choice of whether or not you're going right. to have him. And then your infield. I mean, your infield, it's it's. it's and great. by the way, Randy Rosarena would be starting. It, it, that's out. right. I didn't even throw his name into this one. Your infield, third base is going to be Carpenter regardless, because that's what you have right now. Shortstop, it's going to be Paul DeYoung. That's what you have. So really, the only changes are second base, where it would have been Wong and Voigt compared to a Edmund and Goldschmidt right now. The rotation is much better. Though. The rotation is much better. But I'm looking at it as if those five guys were your rotation pitchers right now, four guys with Gallon, Alcantara, um, 
uh, Weaver, Gonzalez, Gonzalez and Weaver. So you have four of those guys. So let's just look at those four compared to now, the four guys now, which, again, these guys would be available to you right now regardless. You also probably wouldn't have had to re-sign, if you did this, Miles Michaelis. He wouldn't be making $18 million. Right Correct. Now. And you probably wouldn't have to go after KK. But you'd have Flaherty still. You'd have Hudson still. You'd have Reyes still. And you wouldn't have a Matthew Levator who's on the upcoming right now in your system. But and you wouldn't need him because you got Marco. That's the question I guess you asked, though. And it's all about hitting on those evaluating players. Is Libertor going to be better than Marco Gonzalez? Because if y- so... Yes, probably. But I think that you wouldn't have had to make that move. You, w- you would have Randy Rosarena, right? This is, this is the tough part is I could have had Marco Gonzalez and Randy Rosarena. Would I rather have that or Tyler O'Neill and Matthew Libertor? Yeah, because that's basically what it ended up being. You instead of having Randy A and Marco, you now have Libertor and Tyler O'Neill. Well, I know I'm not thrilled about what I'm getting from Tyler O'Neill. We don't know on Libertor. To be fair, Marco's been quite good. Not an excellent pitcher, but he's a really good number three or four starter for you at the at the least. Right. And Randy A, like I would love to have him in the outfield right now or playing DH for you going into next season. I guess the way I'm looking at it is, if Tyler O'Neill becomes Randall Gritchick. And again, that's a big if. I mean, we still don't really know with him. If Dylan Carlson becomes a Tommy Pham, and if a Bader, Lane Thomas, whomever you have in that third outfield spot becomes a Steven Piscotty, I look at it as very similar. In your infield, Goldschmidt's Voigt just a lot older and more controllable with Luke Voigt. Um, pitching is the one that's the most interesting, but again, Pitching doesn't concern either of us. Like the pitching, I am, I have no problem. Becomes problems a lot cheaper with. though, and now you can go get that superstar at either shortstop or third base. Comes a lot cheaper, like because you, you're not resigning Miles Michaelis, and, and I mean KK will be a free agent after that. So really, but you're that's looking at thirty Miles million Michaelis. dollars in your rotation between KK and Miles Michaelis that you wouldn't have had to spend. Yeah. And guess where thirty million dollars could go? Pretty easily, you yeah. just transfer the money over to either short or third base. The, the, the thing I'm just lo- thinking of more than anything is these guys that we're talking about and the guys you'd still have, I just think they become buried prospects, and then you're talking about they might be traded away. So either or, if you think about it, which, again, I'm very optimistic here, but if you think about it, the Cardinals have done a phenomenal job of finding these prospects. It's just choosing the correct ones. It's what we talked about. It's evaluating talent. They've put together a prospect pool but you come to the you come to the the consideration of well you're either going to give away these guys or you gave away these guys and who's going to hurt you more? They came to the fork in the road and they chose the wrong path. Yeah, basically is what which Robert here, Frost right? has told us to do. So you're supposed they, to take the path left less traveled, BK. They they unfortunately have taken the path more traveled recently, <laughs> um, and that that's been the issue for them. But. The reason why I bring this up is because I understand it can be very easy right now to get down as a Cardinals fan because you're sitting sitting there and you're like, man, where is where is the talent coming from? Who is the next guy to look forward to? The Cardinals consistently produce talent. You look around the majors right now, you look at any of these top 10 lists and they're littered with former Cardinals and the frustration should be. Well, how do they let them get away? Why are they not doing that here in St. Louis? And some of that is probably coaching. Some of it is certainly talent evaluation, as we've just discussed. And some of it is just being able to have patience to see it work through. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to work out for O'Neill or Thomas or Bader or whoever you want to throw out into that outfield, but that's why they're doing this right now. They are looking at these guys that we just discussed and saying, man, maybe we would have been better by just standing pat at that point in time in 2017 instead of making all these moves. Let's not make that same mistake too early right. again. Let's see what we've got in the outfield, and I think that's what's going through their head right now. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, 
If the Bills are going to beat the Chiefs, there's one way that I think they can do it. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. Some breaking news to announce here on 101 ESPN. He's dancing, so it must be good. We've been talking about it all week. Patrick Mahomes just announced to the media assembled in Kansas City. He has been cleared of the concussion protocol. Patrick Mahomes going to be playing on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. That's Again, just the breaking news of the day. Patrick Mahomes has officially cleared the NFL's concussion protocol. That's interesting because right before Patrick Mahomes spoke to the media, Andy Reid said he's still in the concussion protocol. So he who also, do I believe? He also said right after he's got one more step to clear and he's getting ready to go into that. So it sounds like he cleared it. So with that in mind, let's talk about that game for a minute, Ferrario, because the Kansas City Chiefs are taking on the Buffalo Bills and the Bills can beat the Chiefs. I want to make that very clear. This is a team that is talented enough that has a capable enough offense that if the Chiefs aren't playing their legitimate A game, the Bills can beat them. They absolutely can come into KC and win that game. But there's one way that they can do it. As much as we talk about how, hey, you got to control the ball, you got to play great defense, you got to force turn. The way you beat the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback is very simple. Yeah. You outscore them. This is how many points the Kansas City Chiefs have scored in their losses with Patrick Mahomes as the starting quarterback. This is in his career as a starter in KC. They scored 40 points, 51, 28, 31, 31, 13, when Patrick Mahomes didn't have Tyreek Hill and he had a high ankle sprain from the week prior. 24, 32, 32. So basically, if you're not scoring 30-plus points, you ain't beating Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs when Patrick Mahomes is healthy. That's what is at at stake this weekend for Josh Allen. It's not about the Bills' defense. It's not about running the football on the Chiefs. It's about Josh Allen coming through and putting together a tremendous performance against this Chiefs' defense. If he can do that, that is the way that they can find a way to victory over the weekend. You think that's more important than this defense stepping up and finding a way to at least stop them at some point? There's no way to do it. I just gave you the numbers every single time. There's been one, two, three times in Patrick Mahomes' career where he's lost and his team has scored fewer than 20, uh, 29 points. Three times. One of those times he was without Tyreek Hill and he himself had a high ankle sprain. Yeah. So with his full allotment of weapons and when he's healthy, you've got to score at least 29 points to beat the Do Chiefs. Do we know if Edward Solaire and Sammy Watkins are available for this uh, game? It sounds like they both will be. I would imagine that Edwards Alaire is probably going to be a little limited just yeah. because he he does have that high ankle sprain. He's been out for a little bit now. I would imagine he'll be a little limited, but Sammy is expected to be back this week. So here's the thing, and the only reason, because I'm a part of Bill's Mafia with Donnie Fandango, <laughs> I'm not afraid of your Chiefs uh, kingdom like you like to think we are, but it's doable because if you look at the Buffalo Bills, and I understand their opponents haven't been the, the most extreme opponents towards the end of the regular season and into the postseason – but Josh Allen has the, all of the capabilities to outduel offensively Patrick Mahomes. It's just a matter of how they play Stephon Diggs. I mean, really, that's what it's going to come down to, and I would imagine you're going to be looking at this as double-teaming the hell out of Stephon Diggs and make him beat you with a running game, which they don't have, and Cole Be- Beasley and a couple of these other secondary wide receivers. The way I look at it, and again, I understand this was the regular season, but if Derek Carr can do this with the Las Vegas Raiders in the regular season, then it's possible. And that's no shot at Derek Carr, but Josh Allen is supremely better than Derek Carr, and the same can be said with Stephon Diggs as his weapon. So 
it makes this a lot more intriguing when it comes to this matchup, but I still believe I'm with you. This is going to be very this is going to be very comparable to what we saw last year in the playoffs between between Deshaun Watson and the Patrick Mahomes kind of shootout. And I think this one might live up to the hype of it. I think so too. And like if you're if you're looking to place a wager this weekend and you want to go over on the FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook app to do so. Um, the the Chiefs right now are three point favorite. So if you like the Bills, what I would do, take the Bills on the money line and take the over. Because as I just said, the way that the Bills are going to win this game is not by limiting points. And the over under right now on in Vegas is fifty three and a half. So if you think that the Bills are going to win and you're you're listening to what I just had to say there with, hey, they're going to have to score 30-plus points. The Chiefs are going to score 30-plus points too, which means you're going over the point total for the Bills to win this game. So I would parlay the Bills on the money line with the over if you think that's the way that this is going to go. Um, that, that would be the way that I would go uh, if you want to put a wager on this one. Secondary thing that I wanted to get into here, Ferrario, if you're uh, there's there's always lessons to take from the teams that are still standing at this point in time, right? And teams that are already eliminated will try to learn, hey, what did they do that we can recreate in our own locker room? How do we get to where the Bills, Chiefs, Packers, and Bucks are today? How do how do we get there? Well, the first thing, of course, is you need a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> like you need a a superstar quarterback to get there. The secondary point that I would make though. If you look at all of these teams, it's about the weapons. The reason why the Packers are here today, in large part, is that they have Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. And a tremendous offensive line, can't understate that, but Devontae Adams is a huge piece of what they're doing offensively there. They gave him the weapon that is arguably the best receiver in the NFL. You look over at Tampa Bay. Why did Tom Brady go down to Tampa Bay? Well, because they had some of the best weapons that any team in the league has right now. So he assembled a great receiving core, and he looks like a different quarterback this year than he looked a year ago. Josh Allen, what changed for him this year? Well, they added Stephon Diggs to the mix, and now he looks much better because he has one of the best receivers in the game. And the Chiefs have been giving Patrick Mahomes weapons since the day that he became the starter, overpaying Sammy Watkins to be that number two receiver, and then drafting McCall Hardman to go along with guys that they already had with Kelsey and Tyreek. Mm-hmm. What is the lesson to be learned from these teams? Go ahead and throw as many weapons as you can at those young quarterbacks or at your aging quarterbacks because that's the way that you elevate their talent to be whatever the full potential is. Is the NFL transitioning then to offense over defense? I think we had this topic before where all the saying was defense wins games, but now that you're seeing the four teams in the playoffs – I would argue Green Bay and Buffalo, those are the two teams that can say our defense has helped us win games. But, I mean, offensive powerhouse on all of these teams. So if you're a team on the outside looking in, I would imagine this draft class is going to be heavy on the offensive side. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say that it, it's an offensive league now, and it has been for a couple of years, but we're now seeing the results of yeah. that. But I mean, it's a team where you have to score 30 or more points to win if you want to win games. Absolutely. That, that's 100% the way that things are going in the league right yeah. now. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We are broadcasting live from the new E&B Granite Studio Centene Community Ice Center. Coming up next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options, we'll tell you which one has to go. One got to go coming up next on 101 ESPN. 
65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. It is time for One's Got to Go here on 101 ESPN with Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. We are live at the new ENB Granite Studios out at the Centene Community Ice Center. Jamie Rivers joining us now in studio for One's Got to Go. Jamie, you ready, my man? Always ready, boys. Always ready. It is our favorite time of the week. Let's start with this one from the 314. One got to go AFC NFC Championship game quarterback edition. Rodgers, Allen, Brady, or Mahomes. One got to go championship weekend quarterback edition. Ferrario, let's start with you. One got to go. Um, Rodgers, Allen, Brady, or Mahomes. Let's get rid of Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm going to start Jamie off hot. Let's get this guy fired up. Look, I, I've seen everything I need to see from Brady. You're going to the Hall of Fame. You're the GOAT. You're inevitable. We get it. Both you and, and Jamie can just enjoy this moment. But I want to see what these other three have to offer. I want to see a Super Bowl from Aaron Rodgers. I want to see Josh Allen take down Mahomes. So I'm sorry, Riv Dog, but uh, Tommy B's got to go. Alex, jealousy is not a, a good trade for a It looks good on me, though. Um, but anyways, no. Look, the obvious choice here is Aaron Rodgers. He's got to go. Because Tom Brady needs an easier path to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, is there any more to say? I don't want that guy playing on Sunday. You know, Aaron Rodgers has got to go. He's got one Super Bowl. Even if he gets two, who's going to remember that? But, boy, you'll remember if Tom Brady gets a Super Bowl ring with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, Aaron Rodgers, beat it. I've got to agree with Alex on this one. Oh, my God. How I, did I know this? He's trying <laughs> He's trying to salvage ribs the fact that he is the Tom Brady guy on this show now. Listen, we all know what Tom Brady is capable of doing. We've seen it. I've seen it enough. I want to see something different this year. Let's go with Rodgers, Allen, and Mahomes and see what ends up happening between those three. Yeah, Jamie, we've told you he's, he's the GOAT. He's the best. We don't need to see anymore. I do. I haven't <laughs> seen enough, gentlemen. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text slide. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One's got to go famous St. Louisian edition. Oh, How about boy. this? I like it. One's got to go John Goodman, Jenna Fisher, Nelly, or John Hamm. Goodman, Fisher, Nelly, or John Hamm. I know this is going to be tough for my guy, Alex Ferrario. We'll start with you, Alex. One's got to go. Um, it, it seems like it should be tough, but I have a quick answer. It's John Goodman. Really? I know. And look, I know. And I love John Goodman. I love John Goodman. But I can't get rid of Jenna Fisher because she is my all-time favorite when it comes to St. Louisans, mostly because I am very um, attracted to Jenna Fisher. And she's on the show that I love, The Office. Um, I thought you were going to start with that. No, no. Can't can't start with that. Uh, not getting rid of John Ham because I mean, come on, it's John freaking Ham and Nelly. You get rid of Nelly, you get rid of all of St. Louis basically. So look, I love John Goodman, but I think uh, Johnny G's got to go. Okay, so the obvious answer in this one is Don't, Jenna Fisher. Oh, okay, correct. you guys are both crazy. Here's no, the reason. That is correct. Here's the reason why John Goodman. Well, do I even need to say anymore? The man's a legend here in St. Louis. We can't get rid of that. I don't know anybody who's sane of mind would get rid of him. Sorry, Alex. Um, uh, just did. And I've also met John Goodman. He's a funny guy. He's a nice guy. We got a couple of cocktails together. So there's no way you get rid of somebody you've had drinks with, especially if you had a good time. Uh, Nelly also same thing. Was that a party? 
at Nelly's place at Lake St. Louis, and it was a pretty damn good time. And so if I ever want to make the invite list again, I certainly can't be getting rid of Nelly. And John Hamm, old Hammer Time himself, uh, he's a friend of the Fastlane, friend of the ESPN crew here. We're not getting rid of him. He's maybe the biggest blues fan that's in Hollywood. So clearly here, it's Jenna Fisher. Jenna Fisher was at a blues game. Was John Goodman at a blues game, Riffs? Yeah, he has been. He's been to a bunch of them. I don't think so. I think it's more Cardinals. Goodman? Yeah. He's definitely been to Blues games. Jenna Absolutely. Fisher Jenna game. Fisher's also been spotted wearing other teams' jerseys, too. I don't want to start trouble, I'm just saying. <laughs> what I just heard is, hey, let's hear stories about Jamie, who yeah. has gone out with all of these Hold famous St. Louisans other yeah. than Jenna Fisher. Hold on, Jamie. It's let me just update your Wikipedia page. I haven't page. hung out with Jenna yet. <laughs> let, me, let me update your Wikipedia page for you. There you you go. can go out with Jenna for a couple of drinks. Yeah, and I don't think that she's would go over well. out of this one. It's, it's whoever he went out with most recently. That's going to be who goes on to the list. Yeah, I don't think going out for drinks with Jenna Fisher would go over very well at the at the Rivers house. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Good, good point, honestly. Uh, Jenna Fisher's got to be the one I that's got to go. I hate both of them. I, don't I, I, very, I recently watched, I rewatched um, The Town with John or, uh, with John Hamm. Yeah. God, Phenomenal. that is a good movie. Phenomenal God, movie. God, that is a good movie. Uh, I, I wanted to get some, some of your thoughts on something that just happened a little bit ago, Jamie, because I think Alex Ferrario committed – what is a television cardinal sin? Oh, what did I do? So there's there's a new TV show that's out. What is it called, Ferrario? Uh, Night Stalker on Netflix. Kay. It came out literally nine days ago. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was just oh, added no, to the Netflix Alex. catalog. And Alex asked me if I had seen it yet. And I specifically said no, but oh. I have heard about it and I plan to. And Alex told me the entire plot, including how it ends. This is a docu-series. And he... How does this happen? It's nine days. Look, let's be honest here, though. Spoiler alert. Let's be honest here, guys. I mean, this is history. I mean, we all know how this ends. He gets caught. Like, that's the thing. Oh, great. Now he just did it to me, BK. Well... You, you both are terrible. Frankly, you had nine days to watch this. Get on top of this, boys. That's just a that's just a bad friend move, Alex. What I'm do you sorry. think the timeline is now? Because it's changed, right? It used to be that a show would come out on like a Wednesday, right? The way that we used to classically watch television comes out on Wednesday, or then a lot of the big ones came out on Sundays. And if you didn't watch it by the next weekend, well, that's kind of on you. Nowadays, though, with everything coming out on Netflix and the way that people watch shows with binging things. I feel like you've at least got to give it a month, at least a month before the spoilers are out. Well, I think, hang on, I think that, I think you have to ask the question, no matter what the timeline, right? Because if somebody's watching multiple series or catching up based on, like you said, BK, whatever time allows them to do, they may really want to watch it, but it might be a month from now. It might be a month and a half from now. So I think it's always the question of, hey, have you seen this yet? Well, no, I haven't. Okay, well, good. You should watch it, though. It's really good. And you leave it there. You don't give every character the plot, the the ending. I mean, I don't know who would do that. I will state this again. The plot has already (laughs) happened. It happened 40 years ago. We know what the end game is. I'm just giving you a little nugget to get you to watch. Alex literally asked if I had seen it, and then no fewer than 30 seconds later said, hey, this is the entire plot, everything you need to know about the show, and the whole reason why you would watch it. I gave you you a piece of one episode when there's nine total episodes. Unbelievable. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One got to go candy edition. Jamie, we'll start with you this time. Okay. Starbursts, Sour Patch, 
Skittles or Jolly Ranchers? One got to go. Starburst, Sour Patch, Skittles, or Jolly Ranchers? Wow. It's too bad only one can go because two of these could go easily for me. And I'll go with... I'll go with Starburst. They've got to go. I hate these. Okay. And the reason I was... Jolly Rancher was a close second on this one. And here's the reason why. Having been a former hockey player, I've had extensive dental work and have multiple, oh, let's just call them fake teeth or glued up teeth and things that are gone wrong. And so when I eat a Starburst, it no, without fail, it'll like yank an entire tooth out. And if I eat a Jolly Rancher, Jolly Jolly Rancher, those are the new ones. Uh, Jolly Rancher, sometimes it'll crack the, the teeth that are already got cracks in them. It's not fun for a former hockey player. Yeah, I'm going Jolly Rancher here, actually, and frankly, because I think you get all three of the previous answers with a Jolly Rancher. So I have all three. I don't need a Jolly Rancher. So get that crap out of here. And they're a choking hazard. They are a choking hazard. I've learned you can't give those to children. I need to know these things. You can't, however, flavor vodka with Jolly Ranchers. And I'm pretty sure you can't do that with Starburst, Sour Patch, or Skittles. Sure you can. Does BK do that an awful lot? I don't know. Just pour vodka into a bag, throw some Sour Patch Kids, get a straw. Throw a bag of Skittles into a bottle of vodka, and it's the same thing. (laughs) They'll melt. Just depends how much fun you want to have, BK. Yeah, come on, BK. Jolly Ranchers have actual flavoring that ends up in in these vodkas. Though. So does Starburst and Skittles and okay, Sour Patch Okay, listen, kids. the answer here is Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> well, what are you doing? I'm not angry with that. <laughs> Jolly Ranchers got to go. That is that is the one. It's just, I, I don't need to suck on the, ran- the, the Jolly Ranchers Whoa. that long. Whoa. I'm talking about That's the Jolly what Ranchers. That's she said. The candy. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which ones got to go. I like this one. One got to go time of day edition. Friday night, Saturday day, Saturday nights, or Sunday during the day. So Friday night, Saturday day, Saturday night, or Sunday during the day. One's got to go. Jamie, once again, we'll start with you, my man. Uh, Well, I'm not getting rid of the nights. I enjoy the nights. Um, (laughs) Sunday, I think that Sunday day, that falls into NFL football Mm -hmm. and things like that. So Saturday day for me is the obvious choice because that's usually where I have to complete my honeydew list. (laughs) And it's like, you know, in the summertime, it's cut the grass, do this, do that. And now we get put Christmas lights up, take them down, put the boxes away. So Saturday day, if I didn't have that, would make my life a lot easier. Yeah, you just took all of the words out of my mouth there. Saturday day is a honeydew list where you get everything done. Is this what I have to look forward to? Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's really wonderful. You'll love it. Yeah, grass cutting, it's the best part about marriage, BK. You get to fix things around the house, or in your case, you get to call somebody. Um, it's true. Spend, so, spend money. So, so I'm with you guys. So, I agree. So, Get rid of Saturday days. So there's no sleeping in on Saturdays, right, Jamie? I mean, no. you're up early doing things, so that's yeah. got to go. Do you guys get to sleep in? Like, uh, J- Jamie, I'm asking you specifically yeah, because Mario is about to join this group. Yeah. But are you allowed to be able to sleep in on the weekends? The only ever? chance I have of ever sleeping in is a Sunday morning. And that's only when soccer season is like in a little bit of a break between outdoor soccer and indoor soccer for my daughter. Otherwise, it's, you know, usually a 7 or 8 a.m. game at a field or inside at one of the VETA locations. But, yeah, otherwise, there's no chance. I got to try and sneak in naps from here to there. And as soon as you close your eyes, it feels like the kids are tapping on you. So, yeah, kids are awesome, Alex. You're going to love it, by the way. Uh, Just get all your sleep you can now.
That's uh, that's all I've been told right now is I, I, uh, I, I've been taking advantage of the opportunities to sleep, but now it's more like in panic mode where it's like, oh, we got to get all of this stuff done. The baby's coming in four weeks. So um, I'm already on that phase right now, Jamie. So I'm going to start living the Jamie Rivers schedule and just never sleep. Yeah, the vampire schedule. That's, yeah. what, we've, that's what we've called it. That's perfect. That is Alex Ferrario. He is Jamie Rivers. He's a former NHL superstar defenseman. I'm Brandon Kiley. We're going to cross things over with a fast lane coming up next. We are saying thanks to St. Louis area education employees with Hubbard Radio's Deserving Deliveries. Today's Deserving Deliveries put together by 101 ESPN, Hubbard Radio, St. Louis, and Scott Credit Union is sending 100 lunches to the staff over at Oak Brook Elementary. It is coming via Super Smokers Barbecue. Where is our next deserving delivery headed next Friday? You can nominate your favorite school staff now over at 101ESPN.com. Thank you to all of the area educators and staff working hard during these extraordinary times. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. We're broadcasting live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. The Fast Lane is coming up next. Jamie Rivers in to cross things over. Jamie, what's coming up today on the Fast Lane, my man? Well, we're going to solve all the problems the Blues are having on the power play for starters. Um, and then after that, we're going to talk about NFL football. Apparently, there's some big games going on this weekend. I'm not sure. It just seems like another preseason game for Tom Brady, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, yeah, we're working on right now, um, we're working on either David Perron or Tory Krug going to join us, too, for a little bit. Fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to that, man. Um, are you surprised at all? We just got another couple of minutes here. Are you surprised at all that Hoffman was back down with Robert Thomas today in, in the, the morning skate? Yeah, a little bit, but not really. It's so hard. Like, when the season started, we looked at the lineup and we're like, whoa, this is like overkill almost with the power play, how much talent is out there. Um, I think BT used to, you know, killing a house fly with a sledgehammer type <laughs> thing. And look, it just hasn't really worked out. And I always go back to there's always only one puck on the ice and not everybody gets to shoot it. And I think that it simplifies the power play for the Blues if Mike Hoffman is the guy with the second unit, which looks like it's going to be more of a shooter's power play. And if that's the case, then you probably want one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter you have on your team, to be with that group and fire away. Craig Berube wants to see shots on net. He's tired of the tic-tac-toe with nothing to show, and he wants to get pucks to the net. Are you surprised that Dunn's still on that second power play unit, though, Ribs, and not uh, giving a shot for Pareko? Uh, you know what I'm more surprised at? That Justin Falk isn't getting a shot That's on there. That's a great point. Honestly. You know, look, at I, uh, I've i had my questions about Justin Falk, and rightfully so. But in the last couple of games, guys, he has generated more shots on net than any other Blues player, period, dot, forward or defenseman, <laughs> and he's shooting everything that comes to him at the point. At this point, especially with the right-hand shot, I would love to see him going touch passes back and forth with Mike Hoffman over there, and whichever one has the lane to the net, they rip it. I what's think the, I would give him a chance. What's the leash on Dunn then? Well, look, I, I think you got to create. Look, Dunn is a, he one of the best players the Blues have at walking the blue line to create time and space. He he's such a good skater and puck handler that. He effectively f keeps moving until he finds a lane to get the puck to the net or find somebody available. The problem is if you're bypassing the shot or you're not getting it through or you're looking for options B and C every time in lieu of getting the puck to the net, especially when you don't have any goals to show for this year, then you might have to change it up a little bit. And right now the confidence level in Justin Falk 
it, it's really high. It, I don't know if it's ever been higher since he's put on a Blues jersey, and I like that. And it's a familiar spot for him. That's where he played in Carolina for all those years, right at the top of the power play, just bombs away every time he had the puck. Jamie, we're looking forward to hearing the fast lane. That is coming up from 2 to 6. If you missed anything today on BK and Ferrario, you can check it out, 101ESPN.com, the free 101ESPN app. It is all presented by I Promise. Looking forward to a, a big Mizzou basketball victory tomorrow night against Tennessee. Looking forward to a couple of fantastic games on Sunday. Chiefs win, Blues win. I'm going to be a happy camper on Monday. Ferrario, I'm going to be a little more tired than normal on Monday. Looking forward to it, my man. You'll be exhausted, too, once the uh, Chiefs uh, lose to the Bills. Ferrario and I will be back on Monday at 11. I'll be back Monday at 10. We'll talk about that then. Looking forward to the fast lane coming up next. Centene Community Ice Center. Coming up next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one has to go. One got to go coming up next on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. It is time for One's Got to Go here on 101 ESPN with Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. We are live at the new ENB Granite Studios out at the Centene Community Ice Center. Jamie Rivers joining us now in studio for One's Gotta Go. Jamie, you ready, my man? Always ready, boys. Always ready. It is our favorite time of the week. Let's start with this one from the 314. One Gotta Go AFC NFC Championship Game Quarterback Edition. Rodgers, Allen, Brady, or Mahomes. One Gotta Go Championship Weekend Quarterback Edition. Ferrario, let's start with you. One Gotta Go. Um, Rodgers, Allen, Brady, or Mahomes. Let's get rid of Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm going to start Jamie off hot. Let's get this guy fired up. Look, I, I've seen everything I need to see from Brady. You're going to the Hall of Fame. You're the GOAT. You're inevitable. We get it. Both you and, and Jamie can just enjoy this moment. But I want to see what these other three have to offer. I want to see a Super Bowl from Aaron Rodgers. I want to see Josh Allen take down Mahomes. So I'm sorry, Riv Dog, but uh, Tommy B's got to go. Alex, jealousy is not a, a good trade for a It looks good on me, though. Um, but anyways, no. Look, the obvious choice here is Aaron Rodgers. He's got to go. Because Tom Brady needs an easier path to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, is there any more to say? I don't want that guy playing on Sunday. You know, Aaron Rodgers has got to go. He's got one Super Bowl. Even if he gets two, who's going to remember that? But, boy, you'll remember if Tom Brady gets a Super Bowl ring with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, Aaron Rodgers, beat it. I've got to agree with Alex on this one. Oh, my God. How I, did I know this? He's trying <laughs> He's trying to salvage ribs the fact that he is the Tom Brady guy on this show now. Listen, we all know what Tom Brady is capable of doing. We've seen it. I've seen it enough. I want to see something different this year. Let's go with Rodgers, Allen, and Mahomes and see what ends up happening between those three. Yeah, Jamie, we've told you he's, he's the GOAT. He's the best. We don't need to see anymore. I do. I haven't <laughs> seen enough, gentlemen. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text slide. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One's got to go famous St. Louisian edition. Oh, How about boy. this? I like it. One's got to go John Goodman, Jenna Fisher, Nelly, or John Hamm. Goodman, Fisher, Nelly, or John Hamm. I know this is going to be tough for my guy, Alex Ferrario. We'll start with you, Alex. One's got to go. Um, it, it seems like it should be tough, but I have a quick answer. It's John Goodman. Really? I know. And look, I know. Really? And I love John Goodman. I love John Goodman. 
But I can't get rid of Jenna Fisher because she is my all-time favorite when it comes to St. Louisans, mostly because I am very um, attracted to Jenna Fisher. <laughs> and she's on the show that I love, The Office. I thought um, you were going to start with that. <laughs> no, no. Can't, can't start with that. Uh, not getting rid of John Ham because, I mean, come on, it's John freaking Ham And Nelly, you get rid of Nelly, you get rid of all of St. Louis, basically. So, look, I love John Goodman, but I think uh, Johnny G's got to go. Okay, so the obvious answer in this one is Don't. Jenna Fisher. Oh, okay, correct. you guys are both crazy. Here's no, the reason. That is correct. Here's the reason why John Goodman. Well, do I even need to say anymore? The man's a legend here in St. Louis. We can't get rid of that. I don't know anybody who's sane of mind would get rid of him. Sorry, Alex. Um, uh, just did. And I've also met John Goodman. He's a funny guy. He's a nice guy. We got a couple of cocktails together. So there's no way you get rid of somebody you've had drinks with, especially if you had a good time. Uh, Nelly also same thing. Was at a party at Nelly's place at Lake St. Louis, and it was a pretty damn good time. And so if I ever want to make the invite list again, I certainly can't be getting rid of Nelly. And John Hamm, old Hammer Time himself, uh, he's a friend of the Fastlane, friend of the ESPN crew here. We're not getting rid of him. He's maybe the biggest blues fan that's in Hollywood. So clearly here, it's Jenna Fisher. Jenna Fisher was at a blues game. Was John Goodman at a blues game, Riffs? Yeah, he has been. He's been to a bunch of them. I don't think so. I think it's more Cardinals. Goodman? Yeah. He's definitely been to Blues games. Jenna Absolutely. Fisher Jenna game. Fisher's also been spotted wearing other teams' jerseys, too. I don't want to start troubled. I'm just saying. <laughs> what I just heard is, hey, let's hear stories about Jamie, who yeah. has gone out with all of these Hold famous St. Louisans other yeah. than Jenna Fisher. Hold on, Jamie. It's let me update your Wikipedia page. Hung out with Jenna yet. <laughs> let, me, let me update your Wikipedia page for you. There you you go. can go out with Jenna for a couple of drinks. Yeah, and suddenly I don't think that she's not going to be well. out of this one. It's, it's whoever he went out with most recently. That's going to be who goes on to the list. Yeah, I don't think going out for drinks with Jenna Fisher would go over very well at the at the Rivers house. <laughs> Touche. 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 Good, good point, honestly. Uh, Jenna Fisher's got to be the one I that's got to go. I hate both I of them. Like I, very, I recently watched, I re-watched um, The Town with John or, uh, with John Hamm. Yeah. God, Phenomenal. that is a good movie. Phenomenal God, movie. God, that is a good movie. Uh, I, I wanted to get some, some of your thoughts on something that just happened a little bit ago, Jamie, because I think Alex Ferrario committed – what is a television cardinal sin? Oh, what did I do? So there's there's a new TV show that's out. What is it called, Ferrario? Uh, it's Night Stalker on Netflix. Kay. It came out literally nine days ago. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was just oh, added no, to the Netflix Alex. catalog. And Alex asked me if I had seen it yet. And I specifically said no, but oh. I have heard about it and I plan to. And Alex told me the entire plot, including how it ends. This is a docu-series. And he... How does this happen? It's nine days. Look, let's be honest here, though. Spoiler alert. Let's be honest here, guys. I mean, this is history. I mean, we all know how this ends. He gets caught. Like, that's the thing. Oh, great. Now he just did it to me, BK. Well... You, you both are terrible. Frankly, you had nine days to watch this. Get on top of this, boys. That's just a that's just a bad friend move, Alex. What I'm do you sorry. think the timeline is now? Because it's changed, right? It used to be that a show would come out on like a Wednesday, right? The way that we used to classically watch television comes out on Wednesday, or then a lot of the big ones came out on Sundays. And if you didn't watch it by the next weekend, well, that's kind of on you. Nowadays, though, with everything coming out on Netflix and the way that people watch shows with binging things. I feel like you've at least got to give it a month, at least a month before the spoilers are out. Well, I think, hang on, I think that, 
I think you have to ask the question, no matter what the timeline, right? Because if somebody's watching multiple series or catching up based on, like you said, BK, whatever time allows them to do, they may really want to watch it, but it might be a month from now. It might be a month and a half from now. So I think it's always the question of, hey, have you seen this yet? Well, no, I haven't. Okay, well, good. You should watch it, though. It's really good. And you leave it there. You don't give every character the plot, the the ending. I mean, I don't know who would do that. I will state this again. The plot has already (laughs) happened. It happened 40 years ago. We know what the end game is. I'm just giving you a little nugget to get you to watch. Alex literally asked if I had seen it, and then no fewer than 30 seconds later said, hey, this is the entire plot, everything you need to know about the show, and the whole reason why you would watch it. I gave you you a piece of one episode when there's nine total episodes. Unbelievable. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One got to go candy edition. Jamie, we'll start with you this time. Okay. Starbursts, Sour Patch, Skittles, or Jolly Ranchers? One got to go. Starburst, Sour Patch, Skittles, or Jolly Ranchers? Wow. It's too bad only one can go because two (laughs) of these could go easily for me. And I'll go with... I'll go with Starburst. They've got to go. I hate these. Okay. And the reason I was, Jolly Rancher was a close second on this one. And here's the reason why. Having been a former hockey player, I've had extensive dental work and have multiple, oh, let's just call them fake teeth or glued up teeth and things that are gone wrong. And so when I eat a Starburst, it, no, without fail, it'll like yank an entire tooth out. And if I eat a Jolly Rancher, Jolly Jolly Rancher, those are the new ones. Uh, Jolly Rancher, sometimes it'll crack the the teeth that are already got cracks in them. It's not fun for a former hockey player. Yeah, I'm going Jolly Rancher here, actually. And frankly, because I think you get all three of the previous answers with a Jolly Rancher. So I have all three. I don't need a Jolly Rancher. So get that crap out of here. And they're a choking hazard. They are a choking hazard. I've learned you can't give those to children. I need to know these things. You can't, however, flavor vodka with Jolly Ranchers. And I'm pretty sure you can't do that with Starburst, Sour Patch, or Skittles. Sure you can. Does BK do that an awful lot? I don't know. Just pour vodka into a bag, throw some Sour Patch Kids, get a straw. Throw a bag of Skittles into a bottle of vodka, and it's the same thing. (laughs) They'll melt. Just depends how much fun you want to have, BK. Yeah, come on, BK. Jolly Ranchers have actual flavoring that ends up in in these vodkas. Though. So does Starburst and Skittles and okay, Sour Patch listen, Kids. Okay, listen, the answer here is Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> well, what are you doing? I'm not angry with that. <laughs> Jolly Ranchers got to go. That is that is the one. It's just, I, I don't need to suck on the, ran- the, the Jolly Ranchers Whoa. that long. Whoa. I'm talking about That's the Jolly Ranchers. That's what she said. The candy. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which ones got to go. I like this one. One got to go time of day edition. Friday night, Saturday day, Saturday nights, or Sunday during the day. So Friday night, Saturday day, Saturday night, or Sunday during the day. One's got to go. Jamie, once again, we'll start with you, my man. Uh, Well, I'm not getting rid of the nights. I enjoy the nights. Um, 
Sunday, I think that Sunday day that falls into NFL football Mm -hmm. and things like that. So Saturday day for me is the obvious choice because that's usually where I have to complete my honeydew list. (laughs) And it's like, you know, in the summertime, it's cut the grass, do this, do that. And now we get put Christmas lights up, take them down, put the boxes away. So Saturday day, if I didn't have that, would make my life a lot easier. Yeah, you just took all of the words out of my mouth there. Saturday day is a honeydew list where you get everything done. Is this what I have to look Oh, yeah, to? yeah. Oh, grass but it's cutting really is, wonderful. You'll love it. Yeah, grass cutting, it's the best part about marriage, BK. You get to fix things around the house, or in your Good. case, you get to call somebody. Um, spend, so Spend money. So, so, I'm with you guys. So, I agree. So, Give it a Saturday day. So there's no sleeping in on Saturdays, right, Jamie? I mean, no. you're up early doing things, so that's yeah. got to go. Do you guys get to sleep in? Like, J- Jamie, I'm asking you specifically yeah, because Florida's about to join this group. Yeah. But are you allowed to be able to sleep in on the weekends? The only ever? chance I have of ever sleeping in is a Sunday morning, and that's only when soccer season is, like, in a little bit of a break between outdoor soccer and indoor soccer for my daughter. Otherwise, it's, you know, usually a 7 or 8 a.m. game at a field or inside at one of the VETA locations. But, yeah, otherwise, there's no chance. I got to try and sneak in naps from here to there. And as soon as you close your eyes, it feels like the kids are tapping on you. So, yeah, kids are awesome, Alex. You're going to love it, by the way. Uh, just get all your sleep you can now. That's uh, that's all I've been told right now is I, I, uh, I, I've been taking advantage of the opportunities to sleep, but now it's more like in panic mode where it's like, oh, we got to get all of this stuff done. The baby's coming in four weeks. So um, I'm already on that phase right now, Jamie. So I'm going to start living the Jamie Rivers schedule and just never sleep. Yeah, the vampire schedule. That's, yeah. what, we've, that's what we've called it. That's perfect. That is Alex Ferrario. He is Jamie Rivers. He's a former NHL superstar defenseman. I'm Brandon Kiley. We're going to cross things over with the fast lane coming up next. We are saying thanks to St. Louis area education employees with Hubbard Radio's Deserving Deliveries. Today's Deserving Deliveries put together by 101 ESPN, Hubbard Radio, St. Louis, and Scott Credit Union is sending 100 lunches to the staff over at Oak Brook Elementary. It is coming via Super Smokers Barbecue. Where is our next Deserving Delivery headed next Friday? You can nominate your favorite school staff now over at 101ESPN.com. Thank you to all of the area educators and staff working hard during these extraordinary times. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. We're broadcasting live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. The Fast Lane is coming up next. Jamie Rivers in to cross things over. Jamie, what's coming up today on the Fast Lane, my man? Well, we're going to solve all the problems the Blues are having on the power play for starters. Um, And then after that, we're going to talk about NFL football. Apparently, there's some big games going on this weekend. I'm not sure. It just seems like another preseason game for Tom Brady, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And, yeah, we're working on right now, um, we're working on either David Perron or Tori Krug going to join us, too, for a little bit. Fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to that, man. Um, Are you surprised at all? We just got another couple of minutes here. Are you surprised at all that Hoffman was back down with Robert Thomas today in, in the, the morning skate? Yeah, a little bit, but not really. It's so hard. Like, when the season started, we looked at the lineup and we're like, whoa, this is like overkill almost with the power play, how much talent is out there. Um, I think BT used to, you know, killing a housefly with a sledgehammer type <laughs> thing. And 
Look, it just hasn't really worked out. And I always go back to there's always only one puck on the ice. And not everybody gets to shoot it. And I think that it simplifies the power play for the Blues if Mike Hoffman is the guy with the second unit, which looks like it's going to be more of a shooter's power play. And if that's the case, then you probably want one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter you have on your team, to be with that group and fire away. Craig Berube wants to see shots on net. He's tired of the tic-tac-toe with nothing to show, and he wants to get pucks to the net. Are you surprised that Dunn's still on that second power play unit, though, Ribs, and not uh, giving a shot for Pareko? Uh, you know what I'm more surprised at? That Justin Falk isn't getting a shot That's on there. That's a great point. Honestly. You know, look, at I, uh, I've i had my questions about Justin Falk, and rightfully so. But in the last couple of games, guys, he has generated more shots on net than any other Blues player, period, dot, forward or defenseman. <laughs> and he's shooting everything that comes to him at the point. At this point, especially with the right-hand shot, I would love to see him going touch passes back and forth with Mike Hoffman over there, and whichever one has the lane to the net, they rip it. I what's think the, I would give him a chance. What's the leash on Dunn then? Well, look, I, I think you got to create. Look, Dunn is a, he one of the best players the Blues have at walking the blue line to create time and space. He he's such a good skater and puck handler that. He effectively f- keeps moving until he finds a lane to get the puck to the net or find somebody available. The problem is if you're bypassing the shot or you're not getting it through or you're looking for options B and C every time in lieu of getting the puck to the net, especially when you don't have any goals to show for this year, then you might have to change it up a little bit. And right now the confidence level in Justin Falk, it, it's really high. It, I don't know if it's ever been higher since he's put on a Blues jersey. And I like that. And it's a familiar spot for him. That's where he played in Carolina for all those years. Right at the top of the power play, just bombs away every time he had the puck. Jamie, we're looking forward to hearing the fast lane. That is coming up from 2 to 6. If you missed anything today on BK and Ferrari, you can check it out, 101ESPN.com, the free 101ESPN app. It is all presented by I Promise. Looking forward to a, a big Mizzou basketball victory tomorrow night against Tennessee. Looking forward to a couple of fantastic games on Sunday. Chiefs win, Blues win. I'm going to be a happy camper on Monday. Ferrario, I'm going to be a little more tired than normal on Monday. Looking forward to it, my man. You'll be exhausted, too, once the uh, Chiefs uh, lose to the Bills. Ferrario and I will be back on Monday at 11. I'll be back Monday at 10. We'll talk about that then. Looking forward to the fast lane coming up next. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise.